Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again is my Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden. Jude has, uh, he's got a little bit of the night off. He's got the, he's got some dealings in the morning and he can't be doing these three-hour epic podcast episodes when he has to get o'clock in the morning and not blame him. Uh, so, Brendan, how are you doing up there in Michigan, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. I have a question for you. Are you sitting in front of a Google machine? I, I am, as a matter of fact. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to type in the following text and do a Google search for me. And without reading it internally, I want you to read what it says out loud for the audience. Are you ready? Okay. I want you to type in your Google search bar. Where does vanilla flavoring come from? And then I want you to, as soon as you type that in and press enter, I want you to read the text at the top. Just in time for holiday cookie season, we discovered that the vanilla flavoring in your baked goods and candy could come from the anal excretions of beavers. Beaver butts secrete a goo called castorium, which the animals use to mark their territory. Beaver so butts that, make goo used for vanilla flavor. So we were eating beaver ass. You sucking down that beaver ever, ass. What's that? Yeah, that's a beaver goo, uh, be, anal, beaver butt goo. And I think it's a uh, beaver butt goo. 
So when you go into like get that frosty from Wendy's and you're like, yo, give me that beaver butt frosty. That beaver butt goo. So this um that's not not this is this is the uh the artificial vanilla flavoring uh is beaver butt. Beaver butt. And, okay. and you know when you look at the like the ingredients on something, like and it says just natural flavorings at the end. Just know that whenever you see natural flavorings, that could be a beaver's butt ass. Goo. Yeah. yeah. And um now, please please take note how unsurprised I am <laughs> of this. <laughs> like this is totally new. Like I did not know any of this. And yet at the same time, I'm completely unsurprised. So um for 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 you all listening out there, um when you listen to this episode of the podcast, I, I request because Jews off tonight and I kind of feel bad about it. That, that he's not there to um, take in with the revelry. Uh, so if you could, when you listen to this, go on the Twitter machine and tweet at NDJRS and just tweet him, um, just tweet him, you know, Beaver Butt Goo. Beaver Butt Goo at NDJRS. Yeah, just, just tweet him at that. He'll be very confused and uh, I'd like to see him get lit up with it. And uh, it'll maybe, be great. Maybe, I mean, if you want to take an extra like 15 seconds, just uh, I mean, send him a lot of picture of a beaver. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Send him a picture of a beaver, too. Or maybe beaver butt goo and send him a picture of like a vanilla ice cream cone or like a, a oh, McDonald's yeah, double, uh, McFlurry. Double it up. Double it up. I bet Jude loves vanilla. Oh, for sure he does. He loves like uh, I bet he's drinking right now like a vanilla vodka with um. (laughs) (laughs) I have a huge fan of vanilla. I bet. Uh, I mean, even more now. I mean, I'm gonna go. I'm not sure what we have left in the kitchen right now, Uh, but after we record tonight, I am gonna go find me something that is a. Artificial vanilla flavoring, and uh, I'm going to go have some fun with my wife about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, an Oreo or something, or, yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be that'll be when I get yelled at for, I told you to buy the sh- all-natural shit. Organic. <laughs> it is get organic. That Madag- get that Madagascar vanilla bean. Oh, yeah, there it is, yeah. But it is organic. You son it of a bitch. comes from a beaver's butt. So you, uh, you know what came in the mail today? Uh, coupons to Papa John's. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> but, uh, no, our, it's our, this is our uh, 15th year anniversary. And oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, had her pick out a, a ring. She wanted some jewelry. Now, mind you, our anniversary is on July 1st. Uh, but the all important, uh, get me my jewelry for the anniversary happens in April. For some reason, uh, but anyways, that uh, so ordered up and that came in today, uh, and now I can't get her to stop looking at it and wondering should I have gone bigger, like constantly. So and that's just a diamond ring. So I <laughs> I asked her, I was like, do you ever look at me and think I should have gone bigger? <laughs> I have not got an answer quite yet. 
You know, I, I wonder about that sometimes when Notre Dame pulls in a three-star recruit, and I always say to myself, should they have gone bigger? Maybe uh, try to pursue a four-star. And you know what I say? No, because um, one in the hand is better than two in the bush. And you know, uh, those three-star diamonds in the rough really do turn into five-star Julian Love diamonds. And that's kind of like the reviews that we try and earn, right? Uh, on the on iTunes, uh, we ask people to to give us those Julian Love earned five stars. Where maybe at first we uh, you, you wonder um, is this podcast a five star? Maybe maybe three, but you know we we try and earn it. Uh, we earn nothing else. The, the amount of time that we put in uh, every night, we press record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the massive amounts of time. So, yes, we are looking for those five-star uh, Julian Love earned five-star reviews from y'all. Uh, if you head on over to Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating. Please leave a review. And those reviews that you leave, we will read word for word on the next OFD podcast. And I got uh, I got, a, I got a trio. I got three amigos here tonight uh, that got some things to say. You, you ready for this? Man, I was born ready. Uh, we all are. Uh, we are born ready to die. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm still having flashbacks about uh, my son damn near going off a 150 foot cliff. <laughs> like, oh, let's put let's put life in this perspective. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, five stars from Hi, I'm Paul, fourteen five thirty nine. He's calling this a Jalen Smith five-star podcast. Whoa. Love the Give pulling it out the heavy hitter. Yeah. And from Fort Wayne. Uh, <laughs> love the podcast. Started listening after the Clemson win this fall and haven't missed an episode since. Love the in-depth and sometimes random Notre Dame talk. The talk about Kansas State blowing it against Baylor in the 2012 season and making us play the evil empire of Nick Saban in the championship. A little tough to think about how different the national narrative would have been around Kelly and ND had we beaten K-State. Another thing to consider is Ohio State was 12-0 that year as well, but had NCAA sanctions against them. Would 2012 ND beat Urban's 2012 Buckeyes for the championship? Keep doing what you're doing, fellas. Can't wait for the season. You know, surprisingly, I don't get, and I live in Buckeye country, I don't get that clap back about 2012 from Buckeye fans. They were trash. They knew they were trash. Yeah, Braxton was they, not yeah, very they good. They were not. Um, they were not good. They were not good. They, and a lot of their games, like you no, know, you can say that Notre Dame had some squeakers, but they gave up points in droves, and um, they had fits. They almost lost a, a terrible Michigan team that year, and they needed like the lat, just the ending, the way that they ended the season with at, you know whiskey in Michigan. It was uh, it was touch and go. Uh, struggle bus against a Michigan State team we handled. Yeah. Wasn't a great, yeah, great, great was Ohio like, State team. No, no. I I mean that you know, I, I won't dismiss any team that goes undefeated throughout the, the regular season. That's no, tough. That's cool. Uh but I mean you played Miami of Ohio, uh, a bad Miami of Ohio team. Uh, I mean UCF in two thousand twelve was not two thousand seventeen UCF. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Uh you <laughs> played UAB, Cal. I mean, you did. Uh, I mean, you beat Michigan State seventeen to sixteen. Yeah, 
Now think about that. Think about the 2012 Michigan uh, State team. Yeah, yeah, Michigan and Michigan State 2012 games for Notre Dame. Compare those. I mean, it, Purdue too. Um, I mean, well, the that, Michigan that, and Purdue. That was an, we, we all <clears throat> struggled. Um, but well, Purdue, Notre Dame. I mean, not not to pull out the excuse machine for Notre Dame in 2012, but I mean, I said it then, and I don't know why everyone like dismisses so much, but it's like. They just got back from Ireland, y'all. <laughs> like, there's the, a jet that like, fucking <laughs> going on here. <laughs> and there's a whole reason why when Notre Dame was supposed to have played Navy in 2020, why it was set for this date and why there was a whole week by, because they had learned their fucking lesson from 2012 going from Navy to Purdue. They knew better. Everybody, uh, else, like when teams play those games in like Australia, right? Like when Cal did and Hawaii did, um, or other teams play across the pond. It's like, yeah, you get a week off. The NFL gives them a week off. It's it just that was maddening. Uh, the yeah, yeah. Them right to the fire. You know, and I watched. And for some reason, I like I was just kind of like pulling up random highlights the other night, which I mean, which is common. But for some reason, I, I went to that 2012 um, Purdue game to look at. And actually, the the 2012 Purdue game that was the. Uh, the first game I was ever in the press box uh, for a game. Oh, nice. Yeah. So a little stressful. Uh, that that game that that that's where my uh, Jerry Faust banging on my uh, on the bathroom stall uh, door when there's plenty of other stalls. That's where that story comes from. Uh, so <laughs> that's when uh, uh, Ryan, my oldest son, locked him uh, himself in the car at Toys R Us. Uh, my wife took the kids to Toys R Us that that morning, and so. She was Skyping me and Jack Swarbrick was standing right behind me uh, talking to people. And I got I got the, uh, <laughs> the Skype open and they are uh, she's freaking out because she can't get because <laughs> Ryan locked himself in the damn car. So you want to grow up. Was a, it, was an, it was a very eventful time, uh, a very eventful time. <laughs> so but uh, anyways, um, yeah, I think uh, 2012 Notre Dame would have beat. 2000. I think it would have been a, a, a good, fun game that would have been like 17-13. Who was the leading rusher for Ohio State in 2012? Let's see if you know this one. 20, 2012? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's not Carlos Hyde. No. He, he was their second leading rusher. wasn't Jordan Hall. Was wasn't Bob Smith. It? it was Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller oh, was yeah. their leading rusher. Just that's okay. not how you run an offense uh, anymore, at least anymore, right? You can't I, know, I mean, Ian Book, Ian Book tried in 2019. Yeah, that's not how you really should be running an offense. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Carlos <laughs> was hurt too. But yeah, just that's uh, that's that's not great. So yeah, I I have all the faith that Notre Dame would have beat Ohio State. Uh, just uh, not as much faith as I know that Notre Dame would have smacked the ever living oh, shit out of Kansas State. Crush Kansas State. Smack. I think them. they would have done a similar thing. I think they would have embarrassed uh, Oregon, Oregon as well. Yeah, because Oregon was not built for a physical Stanford. No, yeah, yeah you that, saw it that season with Stanford. Yeah, yeah and they, every time like. Oregon probably plays for multiple national championships if it's not for Stanford, right? I mean, that, that was right, kind of their right. foil. But they just cannot stand up to being punched in the mouth. 
now. That's why th- that's why these Oregon teams are are a little bit different because they are a little more physical. They they recruited uh, a lot more toughness on that team now. Uh, but I still don't I still don't buy this whole. They're one of the five teams other than Bama and Ohio yeah, that, State and Clemson. That Stuart so like when Mandel it, mailbag was very upsetting because on the one hand, he goes out there and says <laughs> that Brian Kelly is a top three coach. And then he comes back not even two weeks later and he's asked a question in his mailbag. Uh, this is Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. He's he's asked a question. If you take away Ohio State, who hasn't won a title since 2014, so I don't know why they're included. Um Clemson and Alabama out of the equation, who's a team that can win the national title. And he goes out there and he lists Texas A&M, which I laugh, uh, Oregon, which I laugh. Georgia was his number one, um, still searching for their second title since 1980. Um, and then that's why it's, that's why it's trash. It's like, like there's reasons why these teams have not won it. Like A and M, come on. A and M's never won a title. Jordan, right? listen, and I'm not. I'm not trying. This is nothing. None of this. None of my feelings about this list have anything to do with Notre Dame. They're just right. strictly as uh, I would put Florida. I put Florida on the list, and he didn't put Florida. I would put Florida on this. I would put Auburn on the fucking list before before yeah. those teams, just because there is a there has been a route, and Georgia just can't get out of their own fucking way. A, Kirby Smart is not an elite football coach. Georgia is a fucking is a fucking Corvette. Like, if you can't get talent to Georgia, then you are a complete moron. Their talent there hides his coaching flaws, which we which then Nick Saban exposes the shit out of. You think Georgia's a Corvette because they look like they're a Corvette, but man, since 1980 talent, they have they gone They are a Fiero. <laughs> where they look like a sports car, but you hit them in the back end, and what happens to a Fiero? It erupts into flames, like the fire arrow, right? They are Fieros, where they look like a sports car. You think they should be great, and the I'm first not gonna, time they get hit. Just I'm not going to trash Georgia quite that hard. They just they can't get past Bama. They can't get out of their no. own way. Well, in 14 out of 15 natties. And we settle I, into mediocre coaches. Mark Richt is a mediocre coach. Yep. I think Kirby, Kirby Smart, Smart is, a, is, is a mediocre coach. They get, they get carried by the immense amount of talent that those teams have. Yeah. And, and you're just not going to overcome. There's just, I, I don't see a route for them. Well, what, I, just I think the team I see even less of a route for, and Mandel brings up Texas A&M, and he goes, well, Jimbo Smith won a national title. Well, when we talk about those 14 of 15 teams, the one team that won a national title without either being Alabama or having to play Alabama was Florida Jimbo State, yeah. Fisher's Florida State team. And I just – in order to win the national championship, if you're Texas A&M, you have to beat Alabama, and then you have to beat whoever wins. You have to beat a Georgia or a Florida out of the east. They have the hardest route. Maybe that's what Stu's banking on. Maybe like you can get like a, a an upset win over Alabama in the regular season to get you into that title game, and so say it's Georgia, say it's Georgia A and M in the title game. Well, then one of them is going to the at, at least one of them. Maybe going even to both playoff. of them. Yeah. Well, no, it'll be Bama will go to the. That's the thing. Bama <laughs> yeah, the Bama will go to the playoffs. <laughs> right. So you're fucked. Who are we kidding? Maybe all three of them. <laughs> it just I don't know. It, LSU was on that list, and it's kind of funny. It's like 
Yeah, LSU can do it very quickly too as well. Like yeah. I have I would I would put LSU and Auburn into that next list just because they just can do it. Like all of a sudden it's just like they go from some kind of mediocre to good team to like really fucking good team. Like very quickly and then right back down to like half ass. Well, what they can that's do, just, uh, which is way. unique to college football, is they can beat Alabama. Where yeah. those Alabama's lost four times in the last three years, and three of those losses are to those two schools. Well, right? the thing is, you get the opportunity, right? Like right. you get the chance to play Alabama re- every year. So, you, you know, unlike Michigan and Ohio State, where Michigan gets the opportunity to beat Ohio State every year and they just uh, can't do it and won't do it. <laughs> Uh, you know, Auburn, LSU, these teams will, will jump up and, and bite Bama in the ass tough, yeah. in the regular season. Now, you, I, I mean, you get them to the post, you get them to the playoffs, so I, I don't like. Well, you give Nick Saban weeks to prepare. It's it's a totally different story. I, I won't even say, like, uh, I think you refer to, to uh, you know, the Antichrist Nick Saban here or whatever. I, I won't even call Saban any kind of names anymore. He's just too fucking good. Uh, he is the he is the goat of goats. He is yep. incredible, and I can't even I got nothing to, I got nothing to say about him. That that's bad. I mean, people may not like him, and that's I get that. And it's uh, yeah, it's Alabama. Fuck Alabama. We all know that. But it's like Nick Saban. He's fucking so good. I just I I stop saying like anything like even in fun ways, which is mostly which is most of what I do. You know, just kind of having fun. I won't even do that. It's just like. Yeah, dude, it's Nick Saban. He's fucking incredible. It's the best. He's it's probably kind of how I have to treat. What, he's got Tom like ten Brady more years for, probably left in him. <laughs> well, that's how I have to feel about Tom Brady too. Was like, right. I don't know, for over a decade, every chance I got to shit on Tom Brady, I took a chance to shit on Tom Brady because he's a Michigan guy, and they hated him in Michigan, and you know, I hated Love him Hen- too because loved that Henson though. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I always hated Tom Brady, but like. At this point, over the last like few years, it's just like I I begrudgingly just have to recognize that he's yeah. the goat. And in like growing up with as a Pistons fan, you know you were taught to hate Michael Jordan, but like growing up, it's like you're recognizing greatness, and it's like and even the most ardent haters of Jordan in the area, they had to come around because it's like you just have to recognize. That it's the best, and there's nothing. You're just lying. You're lying to yourself at that point, right? Yeah. Anything else is just a lie, or you're just you're trying to sell yourself a, uh, you know, a bill of goods just ain't there. It's just it is what it is. That's now, why I love Linda White. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I'm not sure. I really don't know why my, I have a special affinity to Linda White. Because he's a fullback at USC. I mean, I mean he was a fullback, right? <laughs> I mean, God, I mean, no, man. They look Lendell White. If Reggie Bush wasn't at Lendell White or wasn't at uh, USC, Lendell White would have been way bigger. And he, he still like has like didn't he have the t- the rushing touchdown record? Yeah, at USC? yeah. yeah I mean, Lendell White is fucking incredible. <laughs> but I mean, I liked his attitude. I liked him talking shit about Notre Dame. So, I mean, that's fun. I mean, that it's fun. That's villain. what. Yeah, you that's know? a that's a that's a rivalry fun. That's like, yeah. I think it one maybe we compared him to a Hans Gruber at some point. Of course we did. Yeah, you know, I mean that's that just that, that's a good time. That yeah, that's a guy who you could have some uh, some well, quips. 
But yeah, man, he he rocked a mirrored visor. I don't know. So did you? I guess before we get to the next uh, review, did you see the tweet that I got from somebody talking about? Uh, uh, what was it about Will Shipley at Clemson spring game, and it had the the dude from uh, Blackish curled up on the couch crying. And I just responded back with like, uh, I don't care. Uh, but I had a picture of <laughs> of Andre Gestamay in there, just looking huge. Yeah, yeah, like. No, I don't care about what Will Shipley did or is going to do. Uh, this is this is my friend Audric. Uh, he's going to play football uh, for Notre Dame uh, in June, and I'm going to ride with him uh, because he is uh, a fucking Adonis. Yeah, he is an Look Adonis, out. and that's the one. The, that's one like when when I would see Paulson Adebo ball out at Stanford for the one year that he did. That's a that's the one uh, I cry about for sure. That's one I do because there wasn't any um, analyzing anything. We, we didn't have anything that, that was there in the wings. Like if we didn't get Audric and it was just – and no offense, no no slight to Logan Diggs. Maybe Logan Diggs is the best running back in the room. I, I don't know. But if we didn't get Audric Estime, I think maybe the, the hit of losing Shipley is worse because the – while oh, Paulson and Debo, there wasn't that sort of consolation prize, and the consolation prize could be even better than uh, the the expected. Yeah, I mean that, and that was my whole point, right? It was like, you know, we have a Chris Tyree, and we have him for a couple of years. So all you got to do is go out and recruit some more guys, you know, for the twenty twenty two class, twenty twenty three class. Yeah. But you get an Audric Estime instead of Will Shipley. To me, that's a, that's a bonus. That's a step up because you're recruit. You're getting a guy in that you don't have anything else like on the roster and a, a top, you know, a top tier kind of a guy. And you don't have that kind of guy on your roster right now. So you just made your roster better because now it's much more diverse in the sense that you could do some different things, dude. And he, I mean, go watch it. I, I, I implore you to go watch his huddle highlights. Uh, you it's all, it's up on our site on one foot down, just Google search one foot down uh, Audra Castame commits. Uh, you won't get the beaver butt goo uh, answer on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> one low key reason too, you probably love him, and maybe it's subconscious too, is Notre Dame did flip him or steal yes. him from a rival Big R, maybe one of your yeah. favorite Big R rival schools of Notre Dame's. So that being Michigan State. And do you know what it reminds me of? You know what he kind of reminds me of? TJ um, fucking Duck. TJ Duckett. This is yeah. like this is like the the karma. And instead of, the of letting TJ Duckett walk out of admissions back. office, right? Yes. Didn't, didn't admissions yes. just like sorry, sorry son, you yeah. can't come here. This is this is the universe giving me back TJ Duckett. Ugh. But also say this, and I, and I didn't think about this till the other day because we're doing our uh, player profiles and Brendan, those the your your uh, images for those are fantastic, but. There's no number two on this team. Yeah. And Audric Estime was number two in high school. So I imagine that he's going to be number two at Notre Dame. And most of the time when I did a creative player on NCAA college football, if I did a tailback or, or fullback, I always number two was the number I would give them uh, most of the time. So that Dexter Williams. I basically get my Audric Estime is basically my creative player in 2004. And I mean, he is too. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got dreads. I mean, 
He wears the visor. I mean, he, he, he is my creative player, uh, from NCAA. So I am through the fucking moon on this, but that's just all like fun stuff. Like the legit on the field, like real stuff. That's what, that's why I can say, I don't care about Will Shipley is because this guy what is an entirely different Bayless going to do when he gets him into <laughs> the weight and conditioning program. Cause uh, I, the I, stuff I, that he has out I, there I, now, I guarantee you he slims him down. Yeah. He's going to make, yeah, he's got to drop a solid. Yeah. Five, he's going to 10 make pounds. A, yeah. Maybe like five to eight pounds, maybe. Uh, and probably, I mean, we're talking to just explosive, you know, working on explosion and speed then. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at the guy. There's not much else you can do. You want to trim him down, and he—they may build him back up to his his original weight, but they're going to get rid of, together. Yes, yes. Which I don't know, man. Go. I, every time I talk about SV, I'm like, just look at him. <laughs> just fucking look at him. Uh, the dude looks incredible. As blown away as we all were by Acida Equinu, this guy—he trumps Equinu. I. It, it's just. I just. I just shit. hope. I just hope it that it's not an Elijah Holyfield situation. He was the running the, the son of uh, Vander who went to Georgia. That where was, Elijah Holyfield oh sans God. a shirt was the most impressive I've ever seen a college athlete. And I mean, he he was most, he was most humans. He's one of the most impressive looking humans. Oh yeah, I mean, his arm yeah. looked like a pretzel braid. Um, but one just, of his he never really so, translated so it. Field. One of his pictures, he looked so imposing that it had to be debunked that it was a Photoshop deal. Like people were like, "There's no way this is this is Photoshop." Like, no, this is fucking real. Elijah Holyfield look, fuck, he looks like this. Yeah, this is this is what he looks like, and it is it is very intimidating and the best. All right, I, I just hope it's not one of those. Speaking of intimidating bodies, we, we got something in this next in our second review here. Uh, five stars here from Golden Domers 88. Five star, even with too much BQ hate, Brady Quinn hate. Great entertaining indie podcast. Definitely an earned five stars. Having said that, the Brady Quinn talk is downright baffling to me. He's an all time great ND quarterback. As a lifelong ND fan, I respect what Ian has done in the win column, but if we were talking about talent, Ian doesn't even register on the same scale as Brady. So with all due respect, Ian's ball bag cannot taste that good in y'all's mouth. Keep up the great <laughs> podcast work, and as always, go Irish. There is so it. much wrong in this review. I, I mean, First but you all, get it, right? You, I mean, you get the sentiment. So I, I, I got to say, I have to say this right up front. Speaking for myself Brendan and for Jude and for Greg, who is going to be on the podcast later uh, here in just a little bit. We love Brady Quinn. We all fucking love Brady Quinn. There is a, there's a great love for Quinn. And for me as Quinn being an Ohio guy, he gets that extra bump. However, that doesn't mean I can't unsee the things that I see. And so the problem is when we talk about Brady Quinn in comparison to other quarterbacks, it becomes a debate, becomes a battle. And so in those situations, you bring up deficiencies uh, and stuff like that. So is it looks like Brady Quinn hate. It's not Brady Quinn hate. It's just like extra Jimmy Clausen love or extra Ian Book love. And I totally disagree with this statement about talent. 
Uh, did you not see the the numbers that Ian Book put up uh, at the NFL at the Notre Dame's Pro Day? I mean, this, is a, this is an athletic guy. I mean, this guy has got all the athleticism you can think of. Brady Quinn didn't go to the NFL and, and go start for eight nine years. So this isn't this isn't like a Joe Montana situation. Like people love Brady Quinn because number one, he's handsome as fuck. Yeah. And number two, you know, he was there for four fucking years. He didn't, he didn't uh, cause anyone to go boo. And you saw the research in his junior year, you got the resurgence Notre Dame after the years of, of, of Davey and, and Willingham, you got Weiss in those first two years, which were the last two years of Brady Quinn, like the resurgence of Notre Dame kind of, you almost got some respect back in those two years uh, from the country. And as the, as that quarterback who's leading it, and it was an exciting offense. Oh, five's offense was just fun as hell to watch. I'm glad you said Oh five. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh five. Oh six was a whole different ball game, but Oh five's offense was, was just incredibly fun to watch. So I get it, but to, to take all that and to like dismiss what Ian book has done in his, in his time, or to take that and look at Jimmy Clausen, who was a superior quarterback in pretty much every way, except for maybe mobility and hell, we don't even know uh, how mobile Jimmy could have been because he was running on one foot half the time uh, or had an offensive line that just said, fuck you uh, for, for some time. I just that's it right there. I, I There is no Brady Quinn hate on this on, on this podcast. It's just that, you know, you can like multiple for, things, right? You can yes. you can be like, you know, I love steak, but I also love a good, you know, chicken wing. And it doesn't mean that if I, I go out there and say, you know what, I would prefer to eat a New York strip as opposed to, um, you know, some buffalo wings. It doesn't mean that I hate buffalo wings. It yeah, just tonight, means that I would I prefer the strip. And, like, I guess my last, my last memory of Brady Quinn is the second half of that LSU game, which was absolutely brutal, right? They got outscored, like— I don't know, 20 to nothing or something. And they were embarrassed and it sort of like left a mark for the, the rest of, I guess the Weiss, the Weissian era. And it just book gave us big game moments. And, in, in just, that's one of the things I had against Quinn is as I've gotten older and I've looked back at it more objectively, there really, there really isn't the same sort of like, I mean, book just last year alone. He won an overtime thriller against it's, Clemson. Right? I mean, it's not just the, it's not just the number of wins. It's like Ian book has some big wins and big, and had some big moments in like against big opponents, like name Brady Quinn's big moment, big wins against big opponent. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's not there's much on the nine much beat on that, Penn state team that he beat. And like that's not his fault. You got to play the teams that you play. But I would have liked to have seen him show up a little bit better in 2006 against Michigan. Absolutely. You no. Know, no. I. And the, the argument and he is did out, everything you know, he could against USC, and I commend him for that. But where was that kind of performance? You know, earlier in the year against Michigan State. You know, you know, and there's the argument out there about give give Brady Quinn that defense, and we, we've said it on this podcast before the every argument that you make for Quinn over book 
is the same argument I can make for Clawson over Quinn. Give Ian Book Jeff Samarja. Yeah. <laughs> right? I think I think Ian Book hey, would have enjoyed having Clawson and Darius Walker. <laughs> give Jimmy Clawson yeah. Darius Walker. I mean Well, yeah, just there's there's and I'm not I'm not sure. Um, yeah, there's give two thousand and nineteen Ian Book Darius Walker. So I guess I guess the the I think what could be the end up being the end all here, or what should be the end all is is this. Ian Book is the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. So if he goes to the NFL, and we're talking about three quarterbacks here, Clawson, Quinn, and Book now. Neither Clawson nor Quinn did much in the NFL, unfortunately. If Book is able to get into the league and stick around for five, six years and make an impact on the team, then I think the, the, the case is clear cut. Uh, for me, it's still clear. I still would say book. And I mean, and, I mean, no, in all honesty, I mean, I would take Clawson over, over all three. Just talent but as perspective. Far, like, yeah. But as far as like an all time, great ND quarterback, if I had to rank those three, it, it would be probably book, book, Quinn Clawson in the ND sense. But as far, yeah, as far as talent goes, I mean, Clawson would be my number one for sure. But if you want to go to the overall, whatever it is, whatever it is that that makes fans think about their quarterbacks in one way or the other, 10 years down the road, I think Ian book, I mean, I think eventually that's going to, that's going to get better. Right. Like the, like the recency hate. Yeah. It dissipates. Like, yeah, we didn't win a national championship. Sorry. I feel like a big (laughs) part of two Brady Quinn is, is that like before him, the quarterback position was so mired in mediocrity just from top to bottom. Well, I mean, it was just, it was always such a big fucking clusterfuck. Like, I mean, you had Jerry who did a great, who did a great job. I mean, I love Jerry's Jackson. Yeah. Then get into this huge clusterfuck of, of guys who I love. Arnez, Carlos, Arnez, Carnella holiday. I mean, there, look, there's nobody tougher out there. There's nobody tougher out there than Holiday. Yeah, I mean, it's just Eric Chappelle was playing against SC. You know what I'm saying? That's that's not what you want when you're playing against Southern Cal. No. So not when they're rolling out um, Heisman Trophy winners. Yeah. So plural. I understand. I understand the the comment too much BQ hate. Just know that it is most definitely not hate at all, at all. Uh, if there's one quarterback that I, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of hate towards any Notre Dame players, current or or past. I just they there are guys now, there are guys, there are fucking guys. So it's just like they're your kids, you know what I mean? So you know you could you could kind of have that love hate with your kids, but you would never say you hate your kid, or at least you shouldn't. If you do, you're a piece of shit, or your kid maybe your kid's a piece of shit. I don't know, <laughs> but. But, uh, you know, the, there are guys, but I mean, like Gary Gray Pat hurt Dillon. my mental Gary, Gary Gray hurt my mental and physical well-being. Um, and I can never forgive him for that. Uh, Pat Dillingham is mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I'll, I'll, that 2002 BC game, I just. Here you, you know, go. Here's- and you cannot bring up Michigan State because that was all battle. And, and the fact that a Michigan State defender fell down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Last one on the docket here. Let's see here. 
This one is from <laughs> his name is Julian Love is a five star. <laughs> Love it. Uh, five stars, obviously here. Absolutely terrific. Hey guys, love the pod. I am but a wee lad in comparison to y'all. 20 years old, and I really hope my love for ND football, or or at least my hatred for Michigan, survives for as long as yours has. Absolutely oh. devastated that the Breakfast Club wasn't on any of the top five lists, but at least Josh and his missus included one John Hughes movie each to redeem the, se- the segment. Keep on doing what you're doing. Listening to you guys brightens my week without fail. Uh, well, thank you, young sir. A uh, couple things here. Uh, I actually debated about John Hughes movies. Period. Like, I wasn't sure if I should. I can. You could make that whole top five just out of John Hughes movies and not be wrong. Well, you had Ferris Bueller, which you wrote. Yes, right. And Carrie and Carrie had sixteen candles. Yeah, I mean, so you you could throw some now. Breakfast Club. Now, there there is a. Have you have you heard about this fan theory out there? Uh, is it about them all being dead? Because that's normally how it goes, right? And they all just place their mind. But uh, so Ali Sheehan's character, they're saying it was all in her head. Like the whole thing was her at detention, and that whole thing was just a a play going on inside of her head. Like because yeah, it's so, so much of it was outrageous. It makes sense. I I read it and, and I sat down and thought they about. They do it for, similar. They do similar things. Like I did. You watch the show Red Rugrats at any point in your life? No, I was. I, I'm a little too old. Like like like. There that, is a similar. There is a similar theory out there where the the television, the children's television program, that uh, us young millennial. I guess I'm old, us old millennials grew grew up watching. Uh, all of the characters were dead except Chucky Finster. And you can watch the series from the perspective that he imagines all of them. And they, they talk about how they're all dead and the fact that it's horribly depressing uh, that they put it all in there. And I guess Molly's uh, Molly Ringwald didn't didn't befriend her in, in Breakfast Club and they didn't do a dance joint smoking scene up on the second floor of <laughs> the library. Where, uh, yeah. I guess one reason why I didn't uh, pick a John Hughes movie for mine is because all of my favorite John Hughes movies are not teen movies. It's Uncle Buck and Planes, Trains, and Automobile. Um, uh, so what about Home Alone? Uh, yeah, Home Alone for sure, uh, obviously. Um, but I think he just wrote that one if we're talking director. Um, what did he he didn't direct Home Alone? He, I don't think he directed Home Alone. I think he just wrote Home Alone. I think Home Alone was directed by – he's got a fun name. It's um, uh, um, shoot, uh, Christopher Columbus, right? Isn't, isn't that who directed Oh, that's right. Home Alone? That's right. The guy that did the first – he did the, uh, uh, the first two Harry Potter movies. Yeah, and I think – yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's fun, right? I didn't see yeah, any of the Harry fun. Potters. I mean, that what what they did with the, uh, I mean, you know, all the Easter egg things about Home Alone is uh, fantastic. You know, you know, the color red and all the shit they did. That's that's some fun stuff. Maybe that's too fun for old John. <laughs> Johnny was a he was a master of his craft. Um, certainly a master, and I I I love Breakfast Club. Um, oh I, yeah, I mean that's. Look, making a top five list out of that was 
I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was just it was oh, fucking impossible. By the it's way, like, all right, here's five that I'm thinking about right now. You ask me again in a month, and they could totally be different. Do you know what Chris Columbus's first movie he ever directed was? You're gonna love this. Adventures in Babysitting. Boom. Oh fuck yeah! That. <laughs> in my top five of teen movies top five right there it all comes full circle <laughs> and again uh, a nine-year-old watching that movie uh, a whole lot of playboy references in there <laughs> yeah the 80s was a wild time uh yeah god bless my parents uh, and hbo <laughs> uh but 20 years old my my friend so the next time you, know, you talk about Michigan hate, wow. I mean, you're going to be, you know, 31 uh, the next time yeah. Notre Dame plays Michigan in the regular season. I mean, there's just, there's no way uh, you'll ever see a Michigan Notre Dame <laughs> uh, bowl game or playoff game. Certainly not a playoff game. You could see a bowl game, I could think. Definitely not playoff because as long as Jim's there, they'll never go to the playoff. I um, but I, I could see a bowl game. Like the tickets that they could sell, like if Notre Dame went to a New Year's Six game this year and Michigan, how about, how about Notre Dame, Michigan, the Pinstripe Bowl? Ugh, better not be this year. Uh, yeah, but that could definitely happen. <laughs> no, could. they do have some Big Ten tie or games with the Big Ten ties because through the ACC uh, stuff. But uh, it's it's a, it, it would be an uncommon thing. I, mean, I I would I don't know. It'd be pushed. Like, like a, if there if there was a chance for a bowl game to get Notre Dame, Michigan together, they would fucking move mountains to try to get that done. There'd be some shady shit going on to get it done. Old school bowl game shady shit. Well, it was it was very similar to when they got Notre Dame and Miami together in the Sun Bowl in 2010. Right. I know, acting like this was like, hey, we're gonna play in a couple of years. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Was it, well, were they, was the, I don't, I don't know if the no, ACC that, deal was a thing yet. No, oh, that was, 2012, 2012. Was part of, yeah. yeah. The 2012 game yep, in Chicago, right. like yeah. literally, I think we threw one pass in the second half against Miami. Uh, yeah. Didn't, uh, Everett Golson, uh, suspended for his first quarter of that game. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sierra Wood, George Atkinson. I mean, the, all the, the BK haters about, Those uh, Eric Kelly and all that, form. like watch that second half. Of Notre Dame, Miami, in Chicago, it's just like one handoff after another, one hand, just, just yards, just racking up the yards. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It was very familiar to what Miami did to Notre Dame uh, at Hard Rock in 2007. <laughs> the second half, a little too familiar. I'm not sure how Notre Dame beat Miami in, in 16. Like that's that's the most underrated game of that season. It was the fact it's, that Notre Dame was still able to be. Miami I'm not under. I don't understand how Notre Dame blew the game against Virginia Tech in 2016, uh, or blowing the game against Stanford in 2016. Sands um, uh, McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, or blowing the game against Duke uh, oh, in 16. Yeah. I mean, or blowing the game against Texas in 16. Oh. <laughs> well, I can understand the Texas one because they just, you know, at Texas opener and the quarterback wow. shit. Quarterback, yeah. They the had a huge flop. lead against Vautech and just shit the bed in the second half. Ugh. This is nasty. But if you're 20 years old and a Notre Dame fan, 
that's fantastic because the last decade, basically your entire formative year of Notre Dame um, fandom for you, it has been a treat. You didn't have to go through uh, the Weiss years. You didn't have to go through the Davy years. You didn't have to go through a lot of the dregs. Um, my formative years were mostly the dregs, right? From age 10 on was essentially, um, I was 10 in 94. And then, uh, yeah, at age 12, I, I basically got a, a steady helping of just shit sandwich after shit sandwich. So <laughs> being 20 years old right now, a Notre Dame fan sounds pretty appealing. Yeah. You're going to get, you're going to get some good, good action. Speaking of good action, our good friend Greg, over on the over on the left coast, is joining us now on the show. Greg, what's up? <laughs> Greg in his new mic doesn't even have it figured yeah, out. This does, guy doesn't know, how to, doesn't know how to figure this mic out. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go to the. <laughs> well, what, once he figures it out here, I think we'll be in business. <laughs> uh, shit. No, I so, think about that. Think about that though for one quick second. I mean, okay, so I, when I was 20 years old, it was 1998. Uh, 90, yeah. It was 98 season, which wasn't terrible because of because th- you know you beat Michigan. You got the Gator Bowl though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but there was there wasn't great stuff going on. So like a lot of your 20s. Well, you got the LSU game that you got the LSU game to end the season. And then uh, that that was was pretty much the the pinnacle of that era post Colts was. I mean, there was a there was a couple of Gator Bowls that were bad. NC State, Georgia Tech. Yeah. Uh, What was that running? What was the running? TJ McClendon. Was it was it McClendon for NC State? Number 44. I can't. Uh, uh, sure. NC State. I'm not sure. Greg, you're back with. Are you with us now? That's a big no. <laughs> All right. So I think what I want to do is he's got to go to the more on his on his uh, on his Skype and go to the audio video settings and make sure that he has his uh, microphone selected to the right output. Yeah. I, I think what we're going to do is uh, I think we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and then when we come back, uh, we'll uh, we're going to talk to Greg. How's that sound? Optimistic. That sounds, that sounds lovely. Let's do that. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back, and I can hear massive airliners in the background, so I know Greg is now with us. Greg, what's happening, buddy? I am here. Um, I executed, like I told you guys, maybe the greatest uh, quick bedtime in the history of man. So I'm here. I have plenty of time. My wife is happy. I did a good job. Therefore, it's like this is a this is a guilt free, free conscience podcast. Oh, those are those are solid. Those and you sound ones. fantastic, by the way, sir. I, you know what? I I got a microphone. I feel um, I feel liberated. I feel like a uh, like a professional now. Do you feel more powerful? You I do. Powerful? I do feel powerful. Like I have the little the screen thing too. There's a little screen. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like perhaps at the end of a three hour podcast session, you're not staring at the battery life on your phone, hoping that it uh, it doesn't die the second you press stop? A little. A I'm little, not saying um, that that may or may not have happened before. A little inside baseball. Every time I pod with you guys. At the very end, I'm just in in enormous levels of panic because it, it could it could phone just could just go off. I mean these are these are these are three hour feature length Gone with the Wind pods, you know. It's and, Snyder cut. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't and, fuck around over here. We're, yeah. We've Zack Snyder for a long time. And so the 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 battery life on my old 6s is just uh, it's 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 on its last legs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, now I've got the I've got the, the the computer now. I figured it out how to do it on the computer. So, I'm I'm at a hundred percent. It's gonna stay that way. I've got my microphone with the little screen. I'm all set. All right, we are excited. we're in business. So, like like we were saying, we just got done with the reviews. We just spent an hour on three reviews. Uh, so we are we are definitely warmed up and ready to go. So let's let's get into it. Um, you know, we're here to talk about what's happening in the spring. What's, you know, what's, what's going on with the team. So just a, you know, a quick reminder, there's no media allowed in the practices. Notre Dame has been feeding us uh state run media, three minute clips. I do have to give them a, a very big thank you because there is a lot of meat on these bones uh, of these three, these three minute clips. I wish I could see more of the defensive structure, uh, with these clips, uh, that is not something that that has been uh, easy to uh, to see. But uh, but at any rate, at, le- at least it's something, uh, uh, and it's something we can we can start to work with a little bit. So I've been putting out these these practice reports or whatever it is for these practices, and really I've been watching these clips like nine, ten, twelve times before uh, I sit down and write anything about it, trying to get, get things figured out. A lot of things stand out for me, but let's but forget about me for a moment. Greg, you just jumped on the show. What are the what are some of the bigger things that stand out to you so far after five uh, of these three practices? Yeah, so I, I was um, I've complained to you guys a lot about the the policy, I guess. Um, you know, regarding you know not letting the the media in, and I was thinking about it though, and. It's actually um, this is so much more than we normally get. Yes, 
We we never take get four, it. Take fourteen times three, and that's how much video of of actual plays and not stretching that you get. That's a tremendous amount compared to past years. Yeah, yeah. So it's um it's for us. Um, we are like we're get, we're actually getting so much more than we normally do, and so I guess in that sense I'm grateful for it. Um, I guess my main takeaways are hmm, they're throwing deep a lot. They're so they're gonna throw RPO. There's gonna there there's gonna be RPOs in the offense. That's gonna happen. They, they've RPO already is infrastructure, Greg. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is infrastructure. RPOs are infrastructure, and the White House is going to pass legislation that says Notre Dame has to run RPOs in their offense. I was um, uh, I'm going to pull a QAnon and say, I don't believe you. I think uh, what you're seeing is a ruse uh, uh, orchestrated by the deep state, and I don't you're going to be asking yourself either. In, in, in game three <laughs> – where the fuck are the RPOs? <laughs> Is RPO the new Jordan Johnson? That's funny. So <laughs> I, I, I want to go back. I want to come back to the RPO stuff later because I because I asked the question. Uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow on it. the on the uh, for for the pot of gold podcast. But I want to talk about it here. It's my question. I can I can steal their content. It's my content. Um, but it, we've seen it. A couple of, you know, at least on three or four clips now. And the thing is, is when you do spring, the first thing you do in the first four or five practices is install all the basic stuff. So if you're running RPOs a bunch in basic install sessions, then that's it's going to be in the offense. So so there's that. So that question is kind of answered. Um, and before you continue, hey, hey, Brendan, what did Notre Dame not have last year? Well, they didn't have any spring, so they didn't have an install. They had one spring practice. Um, there it is. And, and, and did it did Notre Dame have a brand new D offensive coordinator? Rumor has it there was a, a gentleman who goes by the name of Tommy. Um, some some try to call him Tom so, or Thomas, but it is so Tommy. Brand new offensive coordinator, no spring install, and a fucked up kind of limited weird fall. Back to you, Greg. um that that's all true i don't disagree with any of those comments um so there's that um i i think that my biggest takeaway from the whole spring and it is so far anyway and it's the biggest story of the spring and i've told you guys this before but it's the it's the tosh baker blake fisher situation um it appears those two are real it appears those two are you know quote unquote the goods as especially as it relates to blake fisher and 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 it's not i'm not saying that they're going to be all americans what i am saying is you can kind of get a sense for when the team the coaches feel like we've we've really got something here with these guys and and I don't see, I don't see any scenario where Fisher is not playing. I'm, mean, you know, barring injury, probably um, Fisher is not playing somewhere in the fall. You know, when, when you're when you're taking reps with the first team at left tackle, five practices in, four practices yep. in, they they think you're good. And you're one of the best five. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and again, it, it has to be continually said, but Jarrett Patterson is going to be the left tackle for Notre Dame in 2021. Yes. They're, they're not going to move Patterson back to center where they've been working with Zeke. Zeke Carell is going to be your starting center. And Patterson's gonna be your starting left tackle. They're putting long at guard. But 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 with but when you have Fisher at left tackle right now, your left tackle right now is gonna be one of your best five offensive linemen. So if they move him to to left guard, or if they put him out to right tackle, that's all fine. You get your Jeff Quinn does a really good job of getting his best five out there. Notre Dame has done a really good job of getting their best five out there. For Even a long before time. when they had that rotation yeah. with um, Hainsey uh, in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. As a, yes. a freshman. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. one thing that I noticed is that in a lot of the practice highlights is that you do know, you do see Blake Fisher running with the ones. And you see so far what the state-run media has done, the, the, the People's Republic of Notre Dame, they have put out <laughs> videos that that show Blake Fisher almost exclusively getting beat. Um, there's one where MTA tosses him. Uh, there's one where Foskey just abuses him, right? Where he just kind of like uh, olays him off to the side. If you're confident in this true freshman coming in and starting at tackle for your football team, you're going to run them with the ones and then you're not going to want to put a highlight package out on the interwebs for him to get lazy about and get sort of like high on himself. You're going to put out stuff to, to make him work hard. Right. Like I'm not sure if they, media. I'm not sure how much, how much is discussed. I mean, just, just to put this out there, you know, a little bit, as far as like what, what, what clips are shown, I'm not sure what their process is. They get the so practice starts about eight a.m. Yeah, and we get the clips. We get the clips uh, from Notre Dame. I, I usually get them. I think around noon. So there's a that's little a time, time there. I mean, yes and no. I mean, that's a there's a lot of footage to go through. So it's probably something that's a process throughout. I mean, it'd be that's just kind of an interesting question to ask. Probably to, not asking Brian Kelly, but. Uh, maybe somebody uh, within the communications office, like you know what their process is about picking out which clips they show us, because there's they're, they put a put together a pretty meaty uh, video for us. So I'm sure there's some where you know Kelly or another coach is like, you know, hey, that's a no no. You know what I mean? You're not. So someone gets the flag about what can and can't um, probably throughout, and then it's kind of like. Close together. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I. I can't see them. I. I don't see Brian Kelly sitting down and, and going over play by play what can and can't be in based on the attitude of a freshman lineman. Is what I'm saying. I. I, I have a hard time thinking that they're spending a lot of time on that. I mean, he's pretty deliberate in the things that he says, in the way that he issues praise, and the words that he uses to issue praise with things like. Um, traits, and he just has his his mannerisms with how he props guys up, and and there's there's certain things that he does. Oh, I agree. I agree with that. I'm just saying that the whole like like making sure that there's certain parts of of the video of a fixture that's going out. I'm not so sure that that's the case. That just may be part of what's going on. Then I I just don't think it's part of a a grand scheme. But I think what Brian Kelly is 
talking about you. That's the most important part um, than what the, the little bits that they're showing us for sure. Yeah, I think for me too with Fisher, and it's this is kind of how I, I, you know, differentiate between like smoke and like real real stuff is when when it's you're you're getting praise from like not coaches right so like i heard on some podcast or someone was talking about how former players were showing up and watching practice and being like who's who's the 54 guy like that guy what's what's that story about you know and when they start noticing that stuff and they're the ones who are like you know they they know who who's a player like especially when it's immediate like that and so that's when it makes me feel like it's real um you know the clips i I think the fact that i think you're you're both kind of right about showing him i think they're if brian kelly didn't want people to know that blake fisher was playing left tackle then he could do that right so they are showing him playing left tackle i my my guess is the process is just that they you know the 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 video team puts together their practice you know piece or whatever their three minute thing and it's funny how it's like has to be three minutes it's like not three thirty four or something um well, some summer one was two fifty nine one was three oh one uh, <laughs> no, but it's like right there. Yeah. It, so it's never three twenty. They definitely well they they <laughs> they definitely stated. Uh, uh, in our in emails out to, to us, uh, they definitely stated they would be three minute videos. Yeah. They were very specific about the amount of time. They were very not wrong about that. Um, hey, yes. look, attention to detail, right? Um, so Katie Lauderman, she's got traits. I, I think what's, what's likely is they put them together and they send them to someone, probably not Brian Kelly, but someone in the 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 staff or whoever just to kind of give it the final okay like fine you didn't show anything like that we don't want people to see um and then you send it off like maybe there's stuff that happens in practice and they say hey like that's not going in or something like that um so i i don't i don't know that kelly's going to the team and being like hey show fisher but like let's 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 keep him humble kind of thing i mean maybe he is that might Let's be some, that might be an edict from Quinn too. It could um, be. could be could be yeah. So it I, it, it's so, not particularly difficult for someone to sit there and watch a five minute clip and say what do and don't you want to have, and then just to be like that's okay, that's okay, that's okay, that's not, and then they're like, all right, we'll see what we can do. Right. It's not that tough to edit it out like that if you just have somebody you know sitting up and just saying yeah I'm looking at it don't don't play that because maybe there's a wrinkle they don't want to have shown maybe they um you know so so sidestepping this just a little bit but staying on the offensive line Bre- brendan what was the the major problem on the offensive line against alabama when you, when you watch that <clears throat> watch that game wh- where did the christian barrymore was uh, along the offensive line? barrymore was completely unstoppable and he ate the middle of the offensive line he just yes. ate it. He uh, just, I've yeah, never Zeke seen a guy do to Notre Dame's offensive line what Barrymore did uh, to Notre Dame's inside in a very yeah, long. That's a that's a guy who's going to get drafted pretty highly uh, oh, yeah. and have a, probably a good. I mean, he's a 
Alabama defensive tackle. He's he's fucking solid. Uh, but you know the the weakness of Notre Dame's offensive line was when Jarrett Patterson, who was probably the best center in college football by the time he went down, uh, and still against BC when he was still hurt, uh, when when he went away, and then the you know then there was the question: it was it should it be Zeke? Should it be Josh Lug? Uh, and when when they brought when they brought Lug's name into the mix with Corell, I was like, all right. Wh- and, you know, and Colin Grunhard was in that mix, too. Like, all right, what are we doing here? So one of the things for me this spring really has been to find out what's our depth at center. Because we saw what happened when our starter went out. Yeah. And that became the weakness then, for sure. And, you know, everyone can talk about what they want about, you know, Trevor Lawrence or whatever to get that Clemson game. Okay, well, in round two, no Jarrett Patterson. That was a significant difference playing Clemson. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Davis was the, it, it was, well, that made, was, that made, Banks it was less worse. Trevor Lawrence made, and more Tyler Davis uh, than anything else. <laughs> it made Banks worse. It made Tommy Kramer worse. Yes. It made the entire interior of the line worse. And so, so I'm it. not sure how, how great I felt about, you know, Kramer throughout the year. Um, but yeah, not having the, the anchor of the middle of your so interior one the, line. One of, question, one of the questions that I, that I was asked by some readers, uh, you know, just not even a month ago was, was about center. And I, and my answer was, you know, I really don't know, but I, you know, they're going to figure something out as far as depth wise. Cause that they were, I think they were asking if they, if Patterson would move, if someone happened to Corral who had, did have an injury last year, would they move Patterson back inside? Which I don't believe for a second they would do. If they're going to start, if they're going to start about left tackle, they're not going to move their left tackle back inside. Um, maybe, maybe, the, I mean, I don't know if they feel that that's the best route to go. maybe, Maybe they do, but I just don't think that's how it's going to be. So I wanted to see what was happening at center. And so I was surprised to see Andrew Kristoffic uh, get yeah. see his time at center. Michael Carmody seeing time at center. So that's – Greg, are, are you uh, – I mean, neither one of those names like like stood out to me. Like if you would have asked me a month ago about who's going to back up Carell, I'm not sure if I would have got to Kristoffic at all. And Carmody would have been way down the line. And that's not a bad thing. It's not like I, not like any of us saw any practice footage from the f- fall camp and from the season to know what they were doing with these guys uh, in the meanwhile. But it was a little bit of a surprise. So seeing the seeing that they kind of put a little focus on those clips, you'd be able to see those guys out there doing their thing. They don't look bad. They look natural in those in those positions. Uh, but I really like Notre Dame being very proactive here and finding their backup and their backup to the backup. Uh, at center, which absolutely looked like a a you know a weak spot for Notre Dame once Patterson went down. Remember too that this is how it came to be that Patterson was the center after what was it Mustafer in 2018. Yeah. He moved on, and then the next spring it was just hey, guess what? Uh, Jarrett Patterson's the center is going to be great, and <laughs> it, it was. It was like what? Like he's the center, and that's how it's going to go. And 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 we had heard only that he looked good at um at tackle. He was looking good at tackle, and they were you know super high on him. And then it's like, hey, he's going to be a center. And okay, that's all right, cool. And then he was, and there wasn't there wasn't as much um kind of 
it wasn't a big question because you know that they had so much back otherwise. So he was right. kind of the only question. Now there's there's kind of a lot more going on, but at the same time, I think that we know, you know, Carell can play it. Um, I think everyone liked what they saw from him um, against North Carolina, and then obviously he hurts his ankle, and then you know, he's obviously he never got fully recovered from the ankle. It took him a long time. Um, and there was even a question whether he could start against Alabama and obviously he did, but you know, I think that people are very high on Carell. And so now we're just looking at the backup and you're absolutely right. Christophic was, you know, a tackle candidate, same with Carmody and they're both taking snaps at center. But I mean, for a backup situation, I, I feel perfectly fine with it. They already did it with Patterson. So, you know, they proved that they can take someone that maybe someone else had slotted for, you know, maybe one of the tackle spots or one of the guard spots. And they, they put them in at center and they could get the job done. And well, I feel like it's a it's a best five situation in a way, too. Right. Uh-huh. Like, all right, we need to add depth along the uh, at the spot on the line. And I think you can be I think seeing them do move Christophic and, and Carmody. I think you could put those two guys like in that top you know, top six, seven, you know, guys that, you know, along that offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. Like just, like just keep them with what they've been trying to do um, personnel wise, you know, over the last, you know, how many years now uh, of making sure it's, you know, we're going to, we'll get you to where you need to be at this position. We just needed you to be the best lineman you can be basically. And if you move Patterson to center, you're breaking two positions to fix one. Yeah. Right, because you have a brand new center, and then you're going to need a brand new left tackle. So, right, because I'm of the I mean, opinion that Jack Cohn's yeah. your quarterback too. He's only took snaps from from these guys. So right. if you're moving Pat, you know, yeah, if you try to be Pat, now, I mean, and that makes a difference. That that could that could be a key play. I mean, it may, everything may be gravy, and then all of a sudden it's not for one play or two plays, and then you might be fucking yourself out of a there game. Was some, there was some ball skittering on the ground against North Carolina, right? It didn't. It didn't. Yes. Uh, it didn't end up in disaster because um, Sam Howell and Notre in North Carolina's offense was vastly overrated, especially when Kyle Hamilton went out and DJ Brown stepped in. And <laughs> but I mean, it just it was one of those instances where it could have been a disaster. I fucking love it. <laughs> it cut off. I, I didn't hear what you just said. We, we can move on now. I didn't hear what you said. Well, it's also to, to get serious for a second. Um, it's also a situation where like, so you're trying out Christophic and you're trying out comedy, right? Because last year, the third team situation was lug and right. that wasn't good for anyone. So this year, you know, maybe you, you know, something happens to Carell or whatever, you go to Christophic or you go to Carmody. And if something happens to one of them, then maybe you say, okay, instead of going to our third team option, let's just put Patterson in there. And so then we know we'll have a great center. And because good things are happening with Baker and Fisher, then we're I'm just saying it's option C. Right. Yeah, this is an option C. Option G. This is option C. Right. So what I'm saying is the option C situation is so much better than the option C last year. You know, so it's like we'll keep our tackle for the for the you know if something happens with Carell, 
and then we'll just keep our normal tackle and that's fine. If someone happens to that backup, then maybe it's better than, you know, instead of going to Carmody at that point, maybe we just move Patterson over, move Baker from right to left and put in Fisher. I mean, it's just like, it gives you more options. Basically. Well, and I mean, Fisher could be a guard at that point too. I mean, who, right. I mean you put him as a guard I, I, and you I, get log at tackle. There's just, yeah, I think, I mean, we're going to find out I mean, this spring. I think Brian Kelly laid it out pretty well. They're just, they're trying to, to find out what they have and, and we're, you know, f- figure this all out because of how much they lost, you know, fall camp will be as it always is. We'll tell a much better tale, much, we'll have a much clearer picture about how this is going to go down. And especially the first five practices of spring, you know, exploring your options, you're not, you're not losing anything, right? I mean, <laughs> this you need to find out what you have uh, to move forward. So a lot of this is just, you know, them, but, you know, feeling it out, seeing what's going to work, what's not going to work. Cause you know, not only are you losing a ton of talent, but you're losing a ton of cohesion, losing a ton of leadership. And you, there's a lot there to work with, you know, to work with still like, I, I don't know. I, this, the offensive line to me, I know it's not the sexy part. And we'll talk wide receivers, you know, probably, you know, here in a few, but the whole, this whole offensive line situation to me is, is key. Because this is what's keeping people, you know, like some writers, like scared. They're scared to, to keep them on ten and two, nine and three. Yes, instead they're, of they're, where they're you're at on that. They're scared to look at Notre Dame's schedule, which is light this season. And yes, we don't know. We don't know anything yet. We won't know until the season starts. About blah, blah blah blah. But you can still talk about it. And you look at the schedule that they have ahead of them. It's fairly light as we look at it right now. But the offensive line has got a lot of people scared shitless that they're like, well, we're going to, we're going to lose a game because of this kind of like, you know, like having Jay Bramblett and, um, <laughs> you know, button that was going to lose us a game somehow. And we then you go undefeated. So, I mean, I just, I, I just think that Notre Dame has, they've, they're better than this. Like they, they've recruited well. They've recruited better than well. They and the systems have, have been in place. They have been outstanding in how they recruit offensive linemen and how they develop them. That I guess my worries are not so they're not so big. They're more minor. Like, like, like which guys are they going to put there? And then I'm fine with that. Like I'm not going to I'm not you're going to have me arguing too much if Dylan Gibbons ends up winning the job at guard. Uh, you know, I'm like all right, well then that's fine. He's obviously one of the best five. That's, that's fine. But they've recruited well enough where there's not, I, I don't see any glaring holes talent wise, you know, going across from left to right. So I'm not so, I'm not so, I'm not so frightened to look at that schedule and be like, they could absolutely go undefeated again for sure because they can. I, I was, I was just thinking that that's a great point because so the, the players we're talking about Christophic top 200 player, Carmody, top 150 player. Baker, top 100. Fisher, top 50. Top 50. Um, the, the, the best lineman on the team is the lowest ranked one. You know, that there are so many good options that Notre Dame has right now. Like, just just straight away. They're, they're, they have so many. Carell is a top 100 player. They're, right, they're so if, just, you believe, if you believe that Notre Dame has recruited well, and if you believe that Jeff Quinn has done a good job— well, there's the kicker. Well, to give Quinn some. the credit. Some people might say that this is Jeff Quinn's first season first year. <laughs> as an offensive <laughs> line coach. Some, some might, might say that. Some might say that. 
But I mean, if you if you believe that Notre Dame has been recruiting really well at offensive line, which you if you don't believe that, then I'm not sure uh, what planet you think that you're on. And if you believe that Jeff Quinn has been developing these guys and is doing a good job, I'm not so sure why you should be so fucking scared because other teams win a lot of games with crappier offensive line coaches and less talent on their offensive line. Like you understand what I'm saying? Like, here's a whole bunch of goodness. Why can it not just be like, this is still very, very, very good. It just, it baffles me to think like all of a sudden you're, we're thinking about three or four fucking losses based off of that. Right. Like I understand those like 16 and the 07 thing. I just don't think those have any place in this discussion. Is this John is not Tenuta, is John Tenuta or well, wouldn't it, it would, who's in seven? It was uh, was it Corwin? I, I can't remember who was a seven, but is BVG your defensive coordinator? Right. I mean, I don't understand the 2000. Uh, he he's the defensive coordinator for a high school in Florida. I know that <laughs> Be, uh, Brian Van Quarter was your defensive coordinator. You had a toxic locker room situation with multiple QBs unsure which direction they wanted to start. I, I just. I don't see the comparisons um, without just ignoring the changes that Brian Kelly made after 2016 to ensure that 2016 wouldn't happen. I think that it's disingenuous and um, I don't know fatalist. Like I just think you not can, even, you don't even, have, not even pessimistic. It's fatalist just to right, think that have, Notre Dame's going to lose to an unranked team simply because they're quote unquote due. Yeah, for the first time in five fucking years. What's too. Alabama lost to? I, I'm not saying that Notre Dame's at the Alabama tip, but like last time Alabama lost to an unranked team was 07. Notre Dame is has has the second longest streak in the country, and that was the last unranked team was in 16. So, yeah, it's it's just I don't know, just the way that Brian Kelly has built this program. You either believe in it post 16, or you don't. And if you believe and in it. I don't see look, how you lo- can look at something that doesn't happen and just say that it certainly will. It, it just look, I love, I love William Eikerberg. I love Aaron Banks. Uh, I like Tommy Kramer a lot. You know, I like and Robert Hainsey, but none of those guys still add up to losing Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson. 2018. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, we lost them both after a year and then we went undefeated. So buck up buttercup. I yeah. mean, I, you, you lost two top 10 draft picks in the same year and just plug guys in and then went undefeated. It's okay. This is where we are now. This is, this is how things work. And then the 2018 lost Alex Bars in the middle of the season, like game five yeah. for the year. And, and, yeah. and Alex Bars was playing tremendous football when he went down. That was a damn right. shame because he really finally came in uh, to his own before uh, before he went down, which is a what a fucking shame that was for him. And look, Alex Bars went undrafted. Play, he, he was starting for the fucking Bears. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think it's okay to I think it's okay for. I think people need to realize it's okay to have concerns in April. I mean, that's teams have that, you know, there's things that, you know, I don't know how this is going to work, but you know, we can just look and say, okay, the things, these things have a way of 
getting figured out. It's look every year we do this. The linebackers are going to be terrible in 2019. Safeties. They were great. The safeties were going to be terrible. The you know the running backs. backs. The uh-huh. running backs last year at this time were a dumpster fire, and now they're the strength of the team. It's just things have a way of getting worked out. And the other part of it for the offensive line that is in their favor is you guys were talking about the defensive coordinators just a second ago. Notre Dame has a pretty good one. And he, you know, one of the things I've noticed in the clips is, man, they're bringing a lot of pressure. You know, a lot of the time you you, want to stay vanilla at the start of spring. They're not doing that. They're sending people in the to A gaps and B gaps and Shane Simons yeah. going crazy and Maris Lua fouls shooting in gaps and, and uh, was a uh, Kaiser's shooting. I mean, they are bringing things and they could, because that's what the defense is and they need to start working on that stuff too. Yeah. Who, what, what better multiple defense is, can the offensive line prepare against than the one that we have? Bringing up. I would. It is funny that you mentioned that um, because uh, to the flip side of that, um, they're putting Clarence Lewis on a lot of islands that I don't think Clarence <laughs> Lewis. He is. What's he is not, not. He is not ready for that island life because <laughs> um, one of the reasons he did not pack a sunscreen. <laughs> no, he did not pack. Uh, he might have, but it wasn't FPS fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's getting burned. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. So let, let's let's actually transition that over to uh, to the wide receivers <laughs> before we slander the let's slander uh, Clarence Lewis a little more. But I gotta say, they look pretty damn good. And look again, we're only getting so many clips, and I think. I don't know if it was O'Malley or Priester, you know, made sure they said it. And they're absolutely right. The best players in highlight clips, the best looking players are going to be the wide receivers. <laughs> like, so it, it's, it's not, they're not going to show you a bunch of drops. You're, it's going to be a catch. It's going to look good. Uh, so, but I like what I've seen so far. I've really liked, uh, dare I say, Jordan Johnson, who has looked extremely athletic and strong uh, in, in what he does. Um, Lawrence keys has looked really well. Um, I mean, I just, you know, this is all, and this is all without Kevin Austin on the field right now. Uh, but I think a lot of those guys have, have done a pretty good job. Xavier Watts. And I'm not sure if it's like, it, it is such a difference from book to cone. Like just, just watch the balls thrown, you know, in these clips. And we're talking, I call them big rainbows because that's exactly what they look like. They're going deep. They're they're working on this because they realize how important it is to be able to be explosive when when you need to be explosive. And the the wide receivers seem to be coming through. Braden Lindsay with the fucking attitude, just torching Clarence, poor Clarence Lewis, uh, and then <laughs> spiking the ball after that. Like really, I mean that to me that made a huge statement. Like Lindsay's like I am not to be forgotten. Like I am going to you know. There's no way that he's not thinking about last season being a complete fucking waste for him uh, and then wanting to, you know, a lot of redemption this year. They looked good. Greg, do you have anything to say about Avery Davis catching a football contested over the middle, reaching back across his body over a defender and uh, holding onto the ball all the way to the ground? 
I'd, I'd mean, put it. May or may not have. I highlight tape. I I put it on the highlight tape. That was fantastic. It was very good. Uh, do you, do you guys think that I'm um, especially the most recent one? I feel pretty confident that when it comes time for um, like prop bets and stuff, without having seen the rest, how everything else plays out at this point, I feel very confident that Michael Mayer is going to lead this team in receptions because he looks like an unstoppable force. And so we put the over under, we put, we put the over under at 55, right? No, it's 50.5. Yeah. 50.5 in the DMS. Yeah, and I said over, Eifert hit and then 50 I, and 12. I said over, and then I called 60. Because, number one, what they do with Mayer is that, that is such a focal point of this offense. And w- we saw that last year. Like, as a freshman, the way they wanted to use him, and so much of it was on those drag They're doing so many different things to free him up on those drag routes to get him the ball and let him use his athleticism to get you the – five, eight, 12 yards extra after he catches the ball. I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense. And there's no better friend to a quarterback than a tight end. And I think Jack Cohn coming from a system like, like Wisconsin, I think this is, that's going to be a, a major, major thing going on this year. I put the, I said over, I say at least 60 catches. Michael Mayer is going to have himself up fucking hell of a ton of a season. Um, I saw you I, put out there 90, Greg. I, I <laughs> he was in the last practice, in the last practice. He, I mean, if, if, if it was all, yeah, <laughs> if the season is indicative of what they showed us in the three minutes, I mean, he might've had 60 catches. Eight? The whole first minute was basically a Michael Mayer highlight. <laughs> might've had 60 catches in that three minute clip. It was ridiculous. That's why I put it out there as I watched that. And I was like, this is, if this is the offense that they are advertising, I'm here for it. One, um, cause, uh, you know, cone fed Ferguson pretty well, uh, at Wisconsin, but this is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of go back and forth on how many balls he's going to be catching. Um, I could see it. Like, I, I think everything Josh said is correct. I just wonder how much they're going to try to spread the ball around this year. And, and maybe it ultimately all ends back at him and he gets there and that's fine. Like he obviously could, um, you know, I, I, no, no matter do you know what, how many catches, do you know how many catches he had last year? He, he had, had 42. 42. Yeah. So it would just be eight more catches, plus he gets one additional game, playing 13 minimum, um, yeah. instead, of the, instead of just the 12. The 42 makes me think it's over easily. Um, and, I mean, look, I mean, Tommy Tremble was not as – Michael Mayer and Tommy Tremble did not play the same role. And Brock Wright and Michael Mayer did not play the same role. I mean, Michael Mayer was basically tight end one for most of the season last year. I mean, in a, in a, in a broader sense, he was tight end one. Because, I mean, Tommy Tremble played just an entirely different position, basically. 
So you get year two of way more of that along again. I mean, I don't even give a shit if it's Drew Pine, at quarterback, you get a, you know, a new quarterback for this, for this team, this season, they're going to want the guy that catches the ball and does something with it. And Michael Mayer is proven, keeps proving that he's going to catch the damn ball and do something with it. Yeah, in the first four games last year, Michael Mayer had seven receptions. Against Alabama, he had seven receptions. So his role <laughs> certainly expanded as the season went on and they felt more comfortable. And you kind of saw that with Trumbull kind of fading, especially in the passing game uh, as the season went on. Trumbull's acumen and blocking and um, you know, sort of doing the dirty work never wavered last year. Um but yeah, you definitely saw Michael Mayer come on in the past. Like in his last three games, he had 17 catches. In his last four games, he had 21 catches. That's, I mean, that's that's a pretty good clip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see. Of all the players on offense, I think he's the one uh, I'm most interested to see evolve. Um, to see if he makes that that jump now as a as a second year player, and. I, I, no Notre Dame, you know, tight end is uh, Eifert's kind of sets the bar right on that 2012 season. Um, so I wonder, I wonder if that's something he can eclipse. What's the, what's the um, uh, touchdown? Is it six touchdowns that no Notre Dame tight end? Eight. eight. Is it eight? Wait, is it eight? I, I, I think thought, it's eight. Uh, I thought. Um, uh, it I is either Jude eight or six. Uh, Jude would definitely know. Because Cole Komet had six in 2019. I thought Cole Komet was like flirting with uh, Justin Ferguson's number, who I just assume has it. I'm going to look it up here real quick. I, I'm i pretty sure – I think maybe it is six. Tyler Eifert only had five in, his, his, uh, in 2011. Didn't I, I, oh, he had five and 11. Okay. And he had four and twelve. Yeah, that's just that's great. That's a crazy low number. That's insane. Right? That's well, wild. they so, just weren't. I mean, there was since they just when they got to the goal line, they either kicked so field you, goals. USC. Listen, just just for the Tyler Tyler Eifert res, reference, fourteen in thirteen passage. in thirteen games in two thousand eleven, Eifert had sixty three receptions for eight hundred and three yards and five touchdowns. Crazy. So huh. I can definitely see and that's that. Tommy that's Tommy Reese. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that stat line. 63, 803, five. I could definitely see that being a Michael Mayer stat line. Like that, 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 that screams Michael Mayer to me right now. Yeah. That I'm kind of convinced by that. Actually, <laughs> I, for some reason, I thought Eifert were only caught 44 in 2011 which kind of informed my thinking. I didn't know he went 63. So I, yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense now, actually. Okay, so uh, we're sold that Michael Mayer is gold. Yes. So let's, let's, look, let's look ahead like, like only we can do. Uh, I love Tim Priester, like always defer, like, we have no idea what might happen. I'm not going to speculate. I will, Tim. I will speculate <laughs> the shit out of things. So let's... <laughs> I <laughs> love it. So let's talk starting three wideouts for Notre Dame down in Tallahassee. Barring any, like everyone's healed. Okay. Who, who does Notre Dame trot out there 
with Michael Mayer at tight end, who are the three wideouts? Avery Davis is one of them, right? I think that's absolutely without question. Without question. I think we can just wipe that one off the board. Avery Davis is one of them. So you're literally looking at your your X and your W then. Yeah. Um, if everyone's healthy, then Kevin Austin is one of them. For sure. Yeah. Um, Ready, do you then, agree? I don't know. I want to hear who the uh, who the other one is. Then. Who the other one is? Okay. I will say... I will say the other one is Joe Wilkins. There it is. But why Joe is Wilkins, it Joe Wilkins? Why is it Joe Wilkins and not Jordan Johnson? Um, because it's. I bet Joe Wilkins great at blocking. <laughs> well, he's he, a he's older. B he's he's played in meaningful games before. Um. Like I don't think that I don't think that will be the rotation for the entire season, I guess. Well there and, or, you, should, you should say there will be a rotation right. throughout the but, season. But, but like I, I could see I could see like Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, like they're gonna play yes. in the first game. They're gonna play. Um I, I could just see like that they, they I bet you they maybe they even get more snaps than Wilkins does. But I could one see the them few, putting them out first. One of the few clips of both Jordan Johnson and uh, Kevin Austin, like on Twitter, like you search their names in video, are of blocks, by the way. Mm. <laughs> I did like that when Dell put out his uh, uh, player appreciation day clip of him mm-hmm. getting after it, coaching up the players. It's just of Dell teaching them how to block. Because, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I don't hate it. I don't. I, I nope. appreciate my appreciate that. that was my favorite part of Michael Floyd was his ability yes. to block and the willingness um, to, I mean, Chase, Chase, Chase Claypool was the same way. Yeah. Very willing to be physical and help your team out. Uh, you know, a very TJ like, Jones was a really good blocker too. Yes. Um, it, and he wasn't a big guy. It's the, an, really good. It's the anti prima Donna wide receiver. I mean, they, 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 they're really putting in the work to help the team out. I appreciate that. But I also appreciate I, touchdown passes too. I just don't, <laughs> I guess my apprehension with just penciling in Kevin Austin is that we're assuming that this is 2000 and what? 19, 2018 Kevin Austin and not the Kevin Austin that we have now with multiple foot injuries, missing extended periods of time in the fall, last fall, last spring. And now this, this spring and, he got off to the surgery late, uh, which wasn't a good sign. Um, I'm not sure what he is or what he can offer more so than Jordan Johnson, who might, I, I'm not sure what's their hunger level at. I'm sure Jordan Johnson's hungry on the field is this Kevin Austin, but, and then a guy like Brayden Lindsay or Larry keys. I just, I don't feel comfortable picking a guy who misses all spring with an injury that they sustained the year before. I just feel right. really squeamish about it based off of like practice hype. But you guys, the practice hype is the height of practice hype for a Notre Dame wide receiver short of Kevin Austin. I will. Do you think with, 
do you think with Notre Dame, with Notre Dame's personnel right now, wide receiver, do you think they would be better served to move Lindsay inside and work as a rotation with Davis? Yeah. Um, maybe I guess because they I guess they really like keys right now. That's the thing. And that's where they do. Keys. I mean that. I mean, that's where the rotation practice stuff is him catching stuff over the middle and, and making plays. So it's, it's, yeah, so you're, you're like, taking the ball like from your Joe Wilkins. I mean, like your Joe, like, like, I think I agree with you. I think on Kevin Austin, because I mean, I, I, I agree with Brendan, uh, in the sense that like, like I totally feel that that argument and that makes total sense. But I think in the end, I mean, I, I've just, maybe it's because I've watched so much of, high school clips uh, and footage of Kevin Austin over the last few days, because which I've done a lot of, I just think that there's so much there with him still and talk about hunger. The guy, I mean, that's a guy that he fucking, he's going to have to want it. So if he wants it, I think he get I think he gets it, but Kevin Austin, Avery Davis, and I think Braden Lindsay, uh, on the, on that other side, then I, I, I would prefer someone with a little more size and I like the thought of a rotation with Davis and, and Lindsay, but Lindsay's been on the outside since he's got there. So, I mean, that's where he's, that's where he's at. Yeah. yeah. And he's really, he really seems like he's coming, you know, coming back with a vengeance so far this spring. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. That's a lot of speed out there. Uh, and you're, and you still have, you know, Xavier Watts, Jordan Johnson, Joe Wilkins, you know, coming in through that mix. I'm cool with that. Plus, I mean, Lorenzo Styles. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good things talked about Lorenzo Styles. I mean, we're talking about who's who are the the top dogs in our name on the depth chart right now. But I mean, Lorenzo Styles can work himself up into that mix of rotation guys. Yeah. You know, by Tallahassee or, may, or you know maybe by by the time they play Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think um, you know p- people parse the clips and stuff, and I do too, and that's fun and everything. Um, but it's just like you always have in the back of your mind, you know, they're showing us, like you said, the receivers are always, they're not going to show drops nope. and they're not going to show coverage. You know, it's like, oh, he got covered and they just didn't throw the pass. Um, but I think Brian Kelly kind of tipped the hand a little bit in the last, um, press conference or when he took questions and, um, you know, he was asked about the, the RPO thing and setting up the offense or whatever the identity I think it was and he answered you know last year he was talking about last year in the offensive line and the quarterback and everything and so they wanted to set it up through the running game and that sort of thing and then he said you know this year they they realized they need to score points and I was thinking about that quote, and I, it, it's an amazing it revelation to have. <laughs> well, it, 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 points it, to win. It doesn't. It's really a very make John Madness. So I was thinking about that quote, and I, <laughs> I was like, that just doesn't really make sense. Like that's not that you had an offensive line and a quarterback, so you're gonna. Well, why don't you just throw it with that? Like well, I, that doesn't like it, it, the two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like that doesn't make sense. But I think that he was trying to basically say last year they didn't think they had the wide receivers and this year he does. Yeah. And maybe they didn't last year. Right. I mean, and, that, and, and the well, thing is, there's it somebody that were ever got lens with Lindsay and Austin, who they were all counting on going into fall camp 
without having them going into the season, basically, it's just like, fuck, you know, what do you do? So, yeah, I think you're right. I think they're more confident with what they have now um, than what they got left with in the season. And he Other said than it. Ben Skoranek, Avery Davis, or um, Javon McKinley, what was your favorite wide receiver appearance versus Clemson in the ACC title game? Right, right. Because <laughs> those were the only three that played. They didn't play another receiver in that entire football game, right? Isn't, isn't that what happened? They didn't rotate in another wide receiver in the ACC title game other than the three they brought? I mean, they played a lot of twelve personnel that game. I mean, it was a lot. absurd. And, yeah, and and, and so points. it doesn't matter what I think about Jordan Johnson. It doesn't matter what I think about even the receivers or any of that. The fact is, is that the head coach, whose opinion is the only one that really matters, he, you know, he made the statement. He he. They obviously and and it's backed up by the way that they played last year. They they didn't think they had the guys. And this year, he thinks they have the guys. So that just kind of goes to show, like the clips, whatever the clips show, they think they they have something, and so they're gonna they're gonna cater the offense to the that you know that that feeling, which is good, right? That's what everybody wants. Yeah, that's that's usually how how good offense works, right? You, At least you would, theoretically, yeah. Theoretically, yeah. I just think I I really do think Notre Dame has a lot of material to work here, and it's just you you want to see it you want to see it happen, and I mean I guess uh, something that doesn't matter something that doesn't matter to the season but matters to the program is the hope that a Jordan Johnson or Xavier Watts does make some meaningful impacts on the you know on in some games for the season. You know, I mean, like that's not so important with everything else that you have, like as far as like winning football games this year. But you have, but especially at that position, you have to be able to show young guys playing and doing things to keep recruiting good guys. I mean, you just you do in this day and age, you have to be able to show that. Um, And so you're really counting on them guy, those guys to do that. I think you know, I think if you tried out Joe Wilkins and you know, Avery Davis and whatever I, you can win some football games, but you're, you need to show that your young talent can, can, can ball out for you. And the more you do that, the better recruits you get coming in, the better competition that you get. Guys are going to transfer out. That's fucking fine. That that's, look, that that's weeding things out. That's not a bad thing. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you're getting your best players on the field, and that's how you win big football games. That's how getting your most athletic, your best, your fastest players on the field to go make plays is how you win big football games. Sometimes you need to I'm cut the things. pasta with a pair of scissors in order Shut to get the it in your mouth. Up. Get the fuck out of here with that. Never, ever, ever should that ever, ever fucking be done. Sometimes that linguine's too long, and you just gotta, you just gotta cut it down a little bit with some. You scissors. grab a fucking spoon. You grab a fork. You they don't give you a spoon when spoon. you're at Olive Garden, man. So you bring your own. You bring your own uh, scissors with you. I can't fucking think. I Olive Garden. 
Who the fuck is going to Olive Garden? Well, Stop. Fazoli's was, was there was too, there was too long a line at Fazoli's, so I needed <laughs> yeah. some authentic Italian food. So I decided to uh, make the trip down to the old Olive Garden. Obviously, Brendan is dead set on triggering the shit out of my ass tonight. Pasta cutting scissors, Fazoli's, and Olive Garden. <laughs> wow, you! I mean, you might as well have had sex with my wife. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Great. Yeah. So, all right, let's 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 keep moving on here. Uh, I'm pretty happy at running back. I think Kyron. Yeah, I was going to ask, awesome. did you have any concerns at all? No, no. I think Kyron Williams is awesome. I think uh, I actually think Chris Tyree is going to be much better this year because I think he's going to have a lot more of Kyron Williams in him, in the sense that they're going to be able to use him more. He's not just a speed guy. Um, I, I think, you know, a little extra weight, a little extra power, a little extra confidence. I think they're going to use him. You know, doesn't matter who's out there in a sense. I like to see two backs every once in a while just to make some shit crazy. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, you can't have two <laughs> I, heard, backs I heard it was time. illegal. I heard it was illegal. Uh, but I mean, I think there's just those two guys alone. I mean, Sibo, Sibo's looked good in practice this year. Uh, but, I mean, I think that the power situations this fall, uh, you know, could end up, you know, going into our boy Audrey Estime's hands. <laughs> I mean, we, Greg, you you missed my love fest for Estime uh, earlier on the show, but um, mm. no, I'm I'm absolutely happy uh, at running back. And there's, I don't think there's a a question there. So, did did you uh, did you notice when because kind of tying back into to the RPO aspect of it too. They showed Cone on a keeper with it, and he kind of had some Kevin Hogan-ish wheels, right? He looked a little Kevin Hogan with the run. I mean, BK um, said he could, BK said he could, he could run. It's that so that was Stanford, a unrated part it's of? kind of that, that like Andrew Luck, Kevin Hogan, you know, early aughts Stanford quarterback where they had like a little bit of wheels on it. Uh, where they could just like say be, they were deceptively fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to besmirch uh, Ian Book and any white skill position player, um, but I'd no, say I, lumbering I, speed or I like Ian Book. I think Ian Book has a has an inner like dickhead about him. Oh, yeah. and I mean that like in the best way, like in the absolute best way, like red ass. I, I think that that like Philip Rivers red ass were like yeah. I think there's a major like dickhead part of of Ian book inside of him where shit really rubs him fucking wrong. And you know, we don't see it because he's a polished character and can, Oh no, no, no. But like, like the hush to the crowd against Virginia tech, that was like the telltale. Like he's saying, fuck you to you guys. You know that, right? He's saying, fuck you. I'm here. I just won this game. And I love that about him. So, (laughs) so every time that they say something about you, I just, you can see it. Well, they in that interview, like the patronizing kind of way they talk to him, you can see him with that that you know that dickhead wants to jump out of his fucking body and go after the guy. Uh, but yeah, he's trained; he's not going to do that. But uh, anyways, that, that, that's a sidetrack thing. But get back in your uh, quad box, Siciliano. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I thought I had big ears. Holy shit! Oh, Siciliano's <laughs> got the biggest. Those are some Mitch albums. Uh... Ooh. I mean, my childhood had some fun with the years. My nickname, it's to this day, 
Like my best friends will call me Fievel because that was the nickname they gave me because of my ears when I was in junior high. Uh, and they don't hold a candle uh, to Siciliano's ears. Boy. No, Siciliano, nobody's has bigger ears than Mitch Album. And Mitch Album's haircut is specifically tailored. If you've ever Google Google image shirt Mitch Album's haircut, and he's got this weird haircut that covers up his ears. But Siciliano is uh, he's right up there with old Mitch. I've been lucky enough to get fat. And so as I get fat, my face gets fat. And so my ears don't look as big uh, in my old age. <laughs> Just I'm lucky to be fat. Uh, Greg, okay, we kind of cut you off. I mean, what's your thoughts at running back right now? I mean, are, are we just like, we're set, right? We're good. Doesn't really matter. Tyree looks, um, Tyree looks a little bit like slimmer to me, which I'm actually very excited about. Now, I don't know if that's just cause like his, his uniform might be a little big, but I, I, I heard he put on weight and I wasn't super fired up about it, but he looks slimmer, and I wanted because it was like slimmer. eight or nine pounds. Like, yeah, I, I, want, I could be I wrong, want, but I think it seemed like a lot for him. I wanted him a little slimmer. Like I want those. I don't want him to get too tight. You're a fast guy, man. I want. I want. I want to keep that. I want to. I want that still be there. Um, right. I, I'm. I'm honestly. I. I have a hard time. Like if I ever like just get thinking too much about what they can do with Tyree and Williams at the same time, because it's a good idea to play them together. Um, <laughs> yeah. If I ever get thinking about it too much, like I'll, I'll I'll do it for like an hour. Like I'll just daydream about all the things that they could do. It's it's super it's super exciting and it's super fun to think about. It, it, there's just like they're the two they're two backs that you just really love to have at the same time. Usually it's like oh we had them and then you know they one came right. and then the other left and then oh it's unfortunate it could have played together. Like I, ships just, in the night, yeah, yeah. Like it's very it's it's very. Good. Did you say Shipley in the night? Oh, uh, Shipley in the night. Oh no, <laughs> they're just mad because he was in a spring game. Josh. Oh, Josh, uh, that's what says. Yeah, Josh we. That, that's what we were talking about uh, at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, I had made sure to uh, mention that. Like, no, I do not care. I here is here is a picture of Audrey Estime. Uh, I'm I'm gonna ride with him. I, I'm not getting on the bus with Shipley. I'm gonna go with Estime. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for those two guys. Oof. All right, so. Now, one of my complaint, one of my my few complaints of uh, like spring coverage right now has been kind of like the lack of a better camera angle for the defense. Like it, it you do. I'm doing a lot of pausing and a lot of you know kind of going back. It, it's very difficult right now to pick up pre-snap formations, uh, pre-snap movements. I mean, more so than than at other times. Like there. The camera is so – we're talking so much about the offense is because that is what you're really just getting force-fed. So you got to pick the bits of the defense out. And again, like Brendan said, a lot of it's just you're watching Clarence Lewis get torched. Now, for the other hour and a half of practice, maybe Clarence Lewis is owning the fucking job. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, you don't know. Uh, but I would like to see more. Like I say, I would 
<laughs> so anyways, it, it's, it's been difficult to pick up exactly how the defensive formations are going to have. Uh, Greg, are you getting much more out of it than I am? Or are you kind of like in the same boat? Like seeing, being able to see coverage, see what the safe, where the safeties are rolling. We're not seeing any of that stuff really. I see nothing. And yeah. that is quite obviously by design. Like that yeah. is the one thing that they don't want to tip their hand about, you know, where exactly they're lining up, how they're lining up and that sort of thing. I'm sure, you know, someone with like a super well-trained eye can, can provide a little more insight there. But for me, Maybe. it's just yeah. like Maybe. the only thing, the only thing that, that I can notice is just how much like, they're they're firing into gaps. They're they're sending people, and I, I just think that's super interesting um, that they're doing it this early in the spring, you know, and and um, you know just like where you know they've got they've got um, <laughs> 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 he's doing it. He's got the. <laughs> Brennan, you can't. <laughs> Brennan, you can't do that anymore. Brennan has a, has a has a picture of the Olive Garden up. Well, Brennan's got a bad habit of flipping on the video with some with some nasty shit, and he's got that. Right there. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so so um, it's interesting to me that they're they're doing that. Um, you know, you get to see like like what's it called? You got Kaiser. He's playing a lot of Rover. It seems like, um, you know, we get to see Botelho dropping in coverage a little bit. So obviously he's playing that Viper spot. Um, same thing with Foskey. Just seen a couple shots at end of MTA, which they told us he was going to be doing. So that's, you know, no big thing. Um, it seems like, it seems like, uh, is Drew White okay? That's, I was going to ask, yeah. I was going to ask you something else first. I don't. I mean, I think Drew White's just. I think he's hurt or injured or something. Right. That's what I mean. Like, there's no. There's no other way to explain the lack of Drew White on it, other than that. So I, I'm hoping. So we get Brian Kelly uh, again on Saturday. Someone's going to ask him, and they've been skipping over me in the in the, in the press conferences. So I'm hoping somebody. Uh, and I think they will. Someone. Someone's going to ask about Drew White because it is. It's extremely noticeable right now that he's not out on the field. Um, so he's got to be hurt. I mean, there's just there's only no Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa had more tackles over the last two years than Drew White. Right. So. Um, so things that have stood out to me, like Riley Mills has really jumped off of the video. He's huge. He's fucking, I, I, I literally, I said boy. he's, he's basically our defensive line, uh, Quentin Nelson. He's so he's so, big. he's so wide. His front, his top body is just so fucking wide. Um, I, I mean, he's he's jumped off the page for me a little bit. Uh, Shane Simon has been with the ones the whole time. Like him and That's Bo a Bauer, good sign, right? It's a good Shane sign Simon, Bo Bauer, a lot of Isaiah Pryor on that side too. And I think, I think. Uh, for Isaiah Pryor, I think Marcus Freeman's defense is a lot better fit than Clark Lee's version of the Rover. You know what I mean? Like, I think, 
I think Freeman really was looking for uh, for more of that. You used to be a safety than I mean, obviously Jack was, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there might be there's something there where I think uh, we, you might you're going to get your best version of Pryor now. Uh, but yeah, Shane Simon has really been out uh, with the ones and mixing it up. I mean, he's he's I they're sending him on the blitz. I mean, he, he's really been active out there because, um, like I said, you can only see so much of the defense. It, it's it's been difficult to see, but you can at least see them crashing down on the line of scrimmage. And he's one of those guys. Uh, so, you know, of the few defensive guys that have really stood out, Shane Simon's definitely one for me. I feel like, Greg, you would kick yourself if you didn't bring it up in the pod, but Houston Griffin, Houston Griffith. He he looks I, – I, I, I DM'd you guys today. I, he looks yep. a little bit slimmer, um, which I, I, that may or may not be true. Maybe he's just moving quicker and that is slimming. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, very, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. I'm – I'm trying not to, you know, I want to see him. I want to see him play in the spring game for one. Let's just see. Let me go like 10 extra steps past you, Greg. Okay. So, I mean, I think, I think in the end, I think eventually it's going to be, it's going to be Houston and, and Kyle back there at safeties. But I think, as far as like nickel goes, when they do roll into a nickel, now Free- Freeman was was pretty like vague about some of his nickel coverage, uh, like like on that podcast that that for some reason Notre Dame had him on. I <laughs> he must have stuck it past him, uh, but I could see him moving up and then DJ Brown coming out, you know, and taking over that other safety spot because I'm not because that corner I'm not too sure. <sighs> I'm not too sure we have a whole lot of answers there. I think we have some guys, but I'm not sure if there's answers. And at least, you know, Houston has played that position before, and he's he he, he looks better on the field. He, he's moving better out in the field. Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot of it, but what I have seen has been, I don't want to say impressive, but no, yeah, it's been impressive. I've, 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 I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. Uh, of him. So, I mean, him and Kyle kicking it one last time back there at ND this, this year. I, I think that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how he's, he's moving around just like his body language. He seems super comfortable. Um, you know, you can just kind of tell like, there's just like kind he of covered a wanna... shit ton of ground on that, on that one clip of him yeah. Uh, yeah. coming across in the middle to, to bat that ball down on the, Basically, the pylon on the on the sideline there. He covered a shitload of ground and you uh, to get to there. Yeah. yeah, I mean that yeah. was a that, that a would be play. the most well of of all of the defensive um, developments or I guess best case scenarios. Houston turning into a plus player opposite Kyle, short of finding a stud corner. That's the best possible development, right? Having somebody opposite Kyle who we feel comfortable about, like Kyle having his Jalen Elliott to his Alohi or, you know, however you want to say it, or his Alohi to his Jalen. That would be the best possible outcome through this spring defensively is is figuring out 
something at that other safety spot. Yeah. Like can, so what, I guess what the spring can do since Kyle is out is basically it's, it's like Houston, this is your, your deep, like you're the safety, you're the big safety guy. And for Freeman, he can see like, let's, let's imagine a world where, where Kyle isn't an option. Like, is this safety situation workable for us? And if it isn't, then you put Kyle in there for DJ Brown. And then you just, obviously it's workable then. But if it is, then you think, okay, what can we do with Kyle then? It's like Jamie Umiyama from ISD. He put out an article that said, play Kyle and nickel. And I... He's not wrong. Yeah, like that's... Great. Is that wrong? Right? Like you, you get them close to the ball, you get them closer to the ball. It's every team wants to do things with their slot. So it's hard to, it's hard to game plan around someone who's playing the slot. You can, you can blitz him. You can run blitz him from there. You can have him play like kind of like the Rover spot. Right. So yeah, and look, there's, there's no jock this year. There's no, there's no Kuromoa to clamp down that slot. Like he did so well, you know, last year. Right, and and Freeman hey. likes that rover to be a safety anyway. Are you talking about the 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 safety known as Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa? I mean, I, I was just t- taking notes from draft experts. And <laughs> they keep telling me that yeah. it's a safety. Every every NFL podcast I've got on, Greg, uh, they can't stop talking about the safety. Is he a safety? Is he a sa- no? You fucker! He's the Buckus Award. What does the Buckus Award winner go to? What does the Buckus Award go to? It goes to a fucking linebacker. Like, ju- just because he was a converted from, and I'm sorry he weighs 215 pounds as a senior and now 221 pounds. He's a fucking linebacker. Welcome to the future. I think that, I think um, the NFL is having a, a tough time. It's like, it's like um, basketball is now, where it's like they've, Everybody there's like a two threes. A positionless, it's like a positionless league in some sense. Like, what position is LeBron? Right? He's a point guard. He decides to be that night. Point guard, small forward, whatever. Like, he's just out there. He does stuff. And I think for Jeremiah Wusu, Koromoa, for JOK, it's kind of the same. And Kyle can be the same way, too. Like, what is Kyle? I don't know. Awesome. That's what he is. So... (laughs) You just play play where he can be awesome. And so, you know, it, it... Houston developing is super important. The same thing with DJ Brown, like DJ Brown developing too, because if you can, if you can be a a quality secondary or a quality safety tandem with Houston and DJ Brown, then you can do so much more with Kyle, you know, cause then, so then you have three safeties. So it's, so then you're fine, you know, and then you can, you can play Kyle however you want. And you know, Marcus Freeman, his defense is made for someone like Kyle. So right. that's where that's the biggest thing. It's like for me, it's not just Houston. Like at this point, I've seen I don't want to say enough from Houston. Like I said, I'm just kind of cautiously optimistic, but he's made a couple of plays. Like there was one I I, um, I retweeted today, like he intercepted a pass on Michael Mayer. And someone, of course, had to tell me, it's like, oh, the ball behind him. It's like, what? The, no. Who, the, who threw that pass? Who threw that pass? Uh, that was Drew Pine. Yes. Um, and he's like, oh, you know, it's, it's late string, behind uh, him. It's like, but he's string. right, he's right there. 
he's right there. So if you throw it behind him a little bit, then you intercept it. And if it's a perfect pass, then you knock it down. Like you're you're in one on ones against Michael Mayer, and you intercepted a pass. Like give him freaking the Thorpe Award. So <laughs> like so, there's that, and then there's the play where you know on the first, the very first practice where. You know, Cone's trying to look him off, and he's moving towards the middle, and then Cone comes back to Michael Mayer again, and Houston's right there. And that is a play that it's like, oh, you should pick it off. It's like, okay, maybe he should. But the fact of the matter is is that, you know, to playing in the secondary, there's there's not being able to cover a route, and then there's being able to cover the route but then not being able to make a play on the ball. And then there's covering it and making a play on the ball. And you can't just, just being there isn't good enough. If they throw ask it, Dante, you have to actually ask Dante Vaughn. If exactly, being there exactly. is good enough. There's something to, you know, they tested you even though you covered it and you made the play on it. That's a perfect, exa- that's a perfect example. It was like Dante Vaughn is there, but he's not really there because the guy caught it for a touchdown. So, you know, being able to win in that situation, I've kind of like, okay, I, I want to see DJ Brown do stuff now. Like, that's what I'm looking for. Because when he starts making plays, now we're cooking with fire. Now, now you have an actual play. rotation of guys. Now you're a situation more like you were when you had Kyle coming in with Jalen yes. and um, Alohi, where now you have yes. like a legitimate rotation. Yeah. Like, I, I still think Notre Dame is like, half-ass in the market for a transfer corner. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I disagree with that either. It's, But I think if uh, – I mean, maybe this doesn't make sense. Maybe I don't know. But I think if they get – if they know they have – I mean, they know they have Kyle. And if they know they – if this spring they know they have Houston and DJ, I'm not so sure they're in the market then for another corner. Even though it's another – it's a different position, I think there's – what's there is enough to take care of it. You know what I mean? Like, so should we go get this guy? And I'm not saying whether they should or not. I'm just saying what I think they, they may or may not do. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I know that they reached out to the, uh, the safety from West Virginia. Um, you know, yeah. Did he go to Georgia? He went there. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Georgia? I know it was some. I thought yeah. it was somebody. Uh... At any rate, at any rate, they had questions. I mean, that that's a guy that you look. Again, you don't bring transfers in to sit. I mean, unless you're Freddie Canteen. But I mean, you don't. You're not. You're not bringing these guys in to sit. Just like Jack Cohn, they can call whatever they want. Quarterback battle, whatever. Jack Cohn's going to be your starting quarterback. Hands. I mean, without a doubt. So if they're going after, a, if they were legitimately going after. Uh, uh, the safety from West Virginia, then they're generally concerned about who's going to be next to Kyle. Houston Griffith, DJ Brown, these guys alleviate those, those concerns. Then it's, you know, it's not a thing, but I also think like, we're still trying to figure out what's happening, you know, with Tariq Bracey at corner. Like, are, are you going to be able to be the guy that, that we think you can, you know, Clarence Lewis this is your second year. We've seen a lot of, a lot of scorched earth, and these uh, three-minute clips, are, are we seeing the real Clarence Lewis, or are we just seeing that that little bit? You know, and who, besides those two, you know, who else is going to be able to come out 
and, and you know play and play corner and do it well for you, uh, you know, off the bench. Because I mean, you need shit. As I say, you need three corners. Fuck, you really need four corners. I mean, honestly, in today's game, especially on, on how this works, and it, it, you may not need it all season long, but if you if you're going to play uh, offense like what Alabama runs, <laughs> you're going to need them. Uh, you, you know, that dime package is fucking pretty important. Uh, so I don't know. There's a lot there. Again, there's just so much that we aren't seeing and uh, haven't been shown because of what you can see on that clip or not. It's it's hard to get a good read of, of what's happening. So let's talk about the, the Clarence Lewis situation. Or the is it I a situation? We, I, well, I don't, I don't know that it's a situation. Yeah, I don't I'm just saying. I'm just saying that the topic. It, it, so most of the and I, and I, you know, wrote this in a message to you guys. So you know, I brought it up, but I I kind of go back and forth on it. It a lot of the times he's getting beaten. They are in one on ones, and in one on ones, that's just going to happen, right? Not only do they have the whole field. But th- there's also no context. So, like, when you're playing in a pressure. game, there's no right. When you're playing in a game, a there's pressure from you know the front seven or whatever, and and there's also like down in distance, there's formation, there's spot on the field, there's time in game. Like, there's all this context that kind of informs what route I could get here. Whereas in one on ones, like, there's literally nothing. They could run anything for any reason, you know. So that makes it difficult. Um, so there's that part of it. You don't see it a lot in in one-on-ones. Now, he is getting beaten a good amount, right? Um, but like, like Tariq Bracey, right? Like he got beat by Salerno. You don't want to see that. Like, yeah. you know, like Tariq Bracey gives up a deep although, ball to Salerno. Although Salerno does have some fucking wheels. No, so no, no. It's, it, that's not one, it. One the, he was Notre Dame's punt returner. Yeah, that's not that's not a out of the question. Look, Greg, Greg played defensive back. I played defensive back. One-on-one situations suck, especially in a practice setting, because you can really look like dog's ass, and the guy across from you may not even be that good. I mean, it's just <laughs> the nature of – of how that works, uh, you know, can be punishing. So I, I think, I, I think I understand what you're saying here, Greg, where kind of like maybe slow your roll because we're not really seeing, I mean, we know what we're seeing here. We're seeing some practice stuff that is almost always skewed towards the offense. Right. And if it's in team, you know, that's that, or like seven on seven, even like that's a little different, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to give up deep stuff in like team seven on seven situations. One-on-one is a little bit different. Um, you know, but even so, like we hear a lot about, we hear a lot about a lot of players and we don't hear a ton about the corners, right? It's just kind of, uh, it's just kind of like a, we know Clarence Lewis can play kind of thing. Um, some might say he's a, uh, savant prodigy. or a, a prodigy. prodigy. Yeah. Prodigy, yeah. His so, high school. Or his high school teammate would call a prodigy. <laughs> so we're not really we're not really hearing anything about like Ramon Henderson, although I see him out there. A lot. Um, yeah, so yeah. I see him. Um, I see Philip Riley out there. I mean, and we, we a lot see of him. The, a lot of that seeing some twos, but we're we're seeing a few guys. Like to me, that's like, 
to me, corner is like of the two positions. I think corner is like a bigger question than say like the offensive line is. The offensive line is more important. It's more critical. So it it kind of it weighs heavier. But there's literally more number of questions at offensive line than right. number of questions at the corner. But right. the direness is different. Right. Exactly. So I I I I'm less confident in the corners than I am like the offensive line getting figured out. That I mean. That being said, I think ultimately they'll both be fine, um, especially corner. But, you know, I, I wish that I, it would make me feel better if there was a like if they did bring in a grants transfer of like even like Nick McLeod, like just like, hey, well, here's a grad transfer who started at this guy on the school. roster. You mean, Nick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What is going on? Like that is the craziest thing I've ever. It's like, oh, by the way, he's faster than Troy Pride. How how many combines in a row has Notre Dame had some surprise guy be the fastest oh, guy? You know, he's like three. Like, wait a fucking minute. This how does this happen? And then Dexter runs a four five eight. Yeah, yeah, who's outrunning everybody? Who has more <laughs> long touchdown runs than anybody other than maybe Josh Adams in the last like decade? Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you, uh, here's one thing that I don't think we've touched on is the fact that, um, I mean, just the scheme of Freeman is to put his corners on an Island. And do you feel some sort of comfort in the fact that Mickens has now been here for two years, Yes. but Mickens worked underneath Freeman prior to coming to Notre Dame. So there's some familiarity with what the corners are already expected to do under Mickens and what Mickens is teaching them and what Freeman has uh, in store for them this fall. Yeah. And those guys are friends. They're high school teammates. They, that is a, that is a working pair that you want. There's no better working pair than what, than what that is. You know I mean? Maybe not better coaches than other guys, but like that is a hell of a working pair uh, with Mickens and Freeman. And I, I think the key, the bigger key here is Mike Mickens in year two. Uh, I think he's a really good uh, coach. I think I think just being able to get Clarence Lewis ready as a freshman to start and play well yeah. uh, was was a was a is an achievement all its own, which is it's a big one. And I think year two with Mickens and just hearing what other people say about him, watching him, I I, I think. It, I agree with Greg where that's a bigger concern, but I also think that that's what coaching's for. And I think he's a really good one. And so there's, there is reason for some optimism there. Uh, even if there's a ton of question marks the, I, I we should bring up cam Hart just because I think he's a very serious player in this. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I really don't know what to make of him. I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if he's I big. think he's good. Big. Yeah, like he's he physically has the perfect size. Has it, yes. And he can apparently run. Like a like you know, they can all run. Uh, he's uh he's he can he's you know, he's got pretty good speed. Uh, so the physical tools are there. Um but he you know, was recruited as a wide receiver and now he he's been a corner and now this is his second year with Mickens. So um, you know, uh, you would like to think that someone who has the physical tools 
and has been working with Mickens for two years would be able to kind of make that leap into, hey, we can count on you in the starting lineup. So I, I personally don't I don't know how to feel about him. Sometimes I feel good about him, and I've, I saw him play last year, and and it's like, yeah, there's something there. I, I think this is good. And then there are a couple other times where you think, I don't, I don't know. He seems kind of lost. And this is USF. Like, eh. <laughs> like <laughs> that was really the season that. too, though. Right. Really right. And so maybe, maybe, but we didn't really see him after that. So that's why I, I don't really have, I don't really have a good idea of what to, uh, how to feel about him. But he, we should. I should have brought him up just because he's going to be such an important player. Oh, that's terrible, Brendan. <laughs> I, I am, I am staring right now at a picture of Clay Helton eating pasta in in a camo sweatshirt and camo overalls. Uh, but he's eating pasta with scissors. Brendan, why don't you want this to be a good podcast? I, I, I can't I can't look at this the whole time and you're just I'm just dying. You know what? We <laughs> you you need to save that and put that in uh in Michael's inbox for the morning. <laughs> we'll put that right uh we'll put that right next to the old uh uh beaver butt goo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brenda or uh, Greg wasn't here for the beaver butt goo. No, I was not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a. I don't know. Um, all right, so I think one one final thing we need to touch on, and then we'll we'll move to our rank everything tonight, and then uh, then be done with this scissor cutting madness. Um, is is back on the offensive side there at quarterback? Um, just because I, I don't. I think we've touched on it here and there a little bit, but I mean, again, I think Jack Cohn is going to be the man. I think there's a lot there. And I, Jude, not Jude has been kind of prodding me, uh, <laughs> prodding me in the back end, uh, about pine, uh, and, and some statements I've made. And I still back what I said, a hundred percent. I think, if, if I think you might need to hedge him. I, I, I still think we're in trouble. I think we're like, in trouble too at backup. Like, but I think so that in in Tallahassee, hedging my, hedging my statement would only be that that he wouldn't be the number two. But I I think if he is number two, I think we're in bigger trouble. Uh, or we're in trouble. I think in Tallahassee. So let's say let's say um, Jack Cone gets Malik Zayard. Um, not Texas Malik Zaire, but Virginia Malik Zaire. Right. And they need to call on a quarterback to come in the game. And let's say it's a 10, three lead Notre Dame in the second quarter. Um, it's drew pine coming off the bench, right? Probably maybe. And so does look, that make him the feel- second, does that make him the second string? But see, that, that, that's what discussion we were having before we recorded. Like, what? That's coming in off the bench in a hot moment. But is he actually the? Would he actually be the second string? Like, if we went back to it, like, who? It would be a. It would be a quote unquote battle for the second string then. And then you, then you're not worried about eligibility wise kind of things with Buckner, right? 
Like that's kind of like the thing that's I I don't know. My point is number one, Jack Cohn's your starter. Yeah. Number two, I think Notre Dame's in trouble if it's Pine because I just don't think Pine is on the level of what we need. And I'm not trying to offend anybody or, or put anything down. I just don't think that he's it. I think Tyler Buckner can be in that in the future. How soon he gets there is the difference, right? Like on our Illustrated podcast, they were talking about, you know, how encouraged they were that the rust was coming off in practice four or five for Buckner rather than practice 13 of spring. So if the rust is coming off now with Buckner and he's starting to tune it in, he's got this spring and all of fall camp. I think that there's a, there is a serious conversation then for him to be number two. I think in the, in the long run of the season, say Cone goes down, like you said, has a Zaire done for the season. I think in the long run of the season, you're better off with Buckner than with Pine for sure. But Pine probably comes off the bench in Tallahassee. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Makes sense to me. I mean, I, it, the, the the question is like, there's a, like Josh said, there's a difference between like he came, he comes in in a hot moment, and then it's like, all right, this is a long term thing. Who's going to start a quarterback for us next week? That's a little bit different. Um, right. And that was that was what I was directing to. Like, we're in trouble if Drew Pine is the actual number two. Yeah. In my in, in my mind. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I got to see him. Same with Buckner, too. Like, I don't I got to I got to see how they would play. You just the, like the to, biggest to difference for actual, me. have an actual opinion. The biggest difference for me isn't the hype about Buckner. It's it actually has to do with with his feet and what he can do. Cause like pine's going to be fucking, he's still going to be running for his life. We're not talking about like a junior senior. I mean, yeah, he was an early enrollee that had one practice in the spring. And then he himself had a weird fall and only yeah. saw so much time. He did Brendan stare Clark, down the barrel of Christian Barrymore though. Which yeah, he did. But you know how that went. But I mean, Brendan Clark was your, I mean, I got, I guess presumptive. The, yeah, a lot of this revolves, a lot of this all revolves to me, revolves around Brennan Clark. Like how healthy can he be after the surgery? Because if you asked me last year and people did, and I answered it, I thought Brennan Clark would be the starter for Notre Dame this season. Like without I, this, you know, no Jack Cohen in the picture, you put Drew Pine, Brennan Clark and Tyler Buckner on the field. Brennan Clark's coming out as a starter. So if Clark is back, like, and I guess I'm more encouraged than what the things that I've been, I was hearing before spring about Clark. If he's back, then that changes it all. And again, if Drew Pine is your number two and Clark's healthy, I still think we're in some fucking trouble. I, I I don't think that would even be a the the thing there. I think it's it, it would end up being Brennan Clark because that's what he was before he had surgery. I think he's just that much better. Uh, but with Buckner, it, it's a it's a it's a legs thing for me. Like if you're if you're young and you're still getting your feel, being able to scramble out and get you five yards and get out of bounds or or what. Ian Book made a fucking li- Ian Book made a living off of that. 
Ian, what I scrambling mean, for a zero yard loss? No, I'm kidding. I love you. <laughs> well, for a neg- <laughs> negative two yard loss, he made <laughs> negative two yard loss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he made a living off of of getting those extra yards with his legs. Yeah, and especially you he know, as a young quarterback coming through. Yeah, he shushed a crowd because he could do it. Yeah, and so I just again, I'm not trying to to slam Drew Pine. He's probably a fine young man, and he's going to make Holy Krauss proud the future but i just i i i would be extremely worried about if the if he was the number two for sure supposed number two i would i would be worried greg are you getting some real um tim priester sort of backwards saying nice things about blake fisher coming from josh with this this drew pine thing backwards yeah, where he's like, well, you know, when Priester was like, well, yeah, I said Blake Fisher wasn't going to amount to anything, but maybe he could be good. But I just thought he was lazy. Was like, <laughs> oh, all right, man, you can just say nice things about someone who said you were wrong. <laughs> no, I just, no, I just flat out saying I'm not trying to slam him, but he's not a starter. If we're trying to be a national championship program, that's true. right. If we're trying to, if we're trying, if we're trying to be that, we're not trying to be your, so, oh, okay. Okay. 2011 okay, okay. Notre Dame. We're trying to fucking do something here. So the, the way you're framing it is you're saying, um, like I'm, I'm looking at it like, I think Drew Pine could go nine and three as the quarterback next year. I think that that's something that he could go. Uh, that's not good. You're saying yeah. that you feel like if they went Buckner, they could find lightning in a bottle and somehow like, even though Everett was a, uh, red shirt freshman, there was just some intangibles that he had um, that they could ride, right? Is that more? Maybe not. I mean, that's probably not a great comparison because, I mean, even, I mean, Golson needed Reese in 12. Well, if I, <clears throat> I would think without, that. Without Reese in 12, they don't go undefeated. No. But if if going into 12, I'm not sure how many people were, were pegging Reese as the. Okay. No, I, I mean I get. I mean I get I get what you're saying. I just I I just don't believe that he is on the championship level quarterback that we are needing and wanting at Notre Dame. I think he could probably be a very good quarterback, but if you're looking for the for someone who has the tools to get you to that bigger status, I don't think that's it. And I'm. Sorry if that so you're saying that his, his nickname should be Patriot League Pine. I mean, I might be harsh with the Holy Cross reference, but well, I mean, it, it obviously is. If, I do love, if, I do if love you it. think that it, he I can mean, go it, nine and three at Notre Dame, no, that's good. That, right. that's, yeah. that's, I think so. But, so okay, so let me ask you this: Would you rather see a nine and three? Oh, let's see here. How? how I mean. Would you? I guess ask it if you want to see a nine and three Pine or a nine and three Buckner. You take Buckner, right? But All day, take, every day. So, yeah. but would you rather see a nine and three Pine or an eight and four Buckner? That's a that's a that's a much harder question. That's a significantly <laughs> harder question. And I think we've had this discussion on the podcast before, oh, we, where it's oh, like, we talk about it quite a bit. Oh yeah. Because, I, mean, and I don't want I, I guess my thing is and I'm, I'm sure. Other are you people excited? Might feel, are you excited going into 2023 or excuse no. me, 20 
Are you excited to go into 2022 with a nine and three pine or with an eight and four Buckner? Which an are you more excited about? An eight and four Buckner. But here's one thing that I would say to the opposite of it is I, I would feel absolutely devastated for Kyle Hamilton to have any, <laughs> any further losses and it goes for all of the seniors and all of the the older players on the roster. I would feel devastated for them to eat any more L's, especially if one of those L's would be USC. I would like for the graduating class or the guys who are leaving Notre Dame, um, you know, after this fall to have never lost to USC. So I would prefer the 2017 class to graduate having never and you know, the 18 and then the, the 19 and so on, uh, depending on the eligibility, but I'd, I'd prefer for them to have never lost to USC. And if that means starting uh, pine, give me that. Okay. I think that, I think that, I mean, you know, there's this, uh, I, I don't want to say notion or whatever. It just, if you lose your best players, maybe you're not going to be a champ national champion that year. You know, it makes it hard. <laughs> like, like when, when, uh, when Austin and Lindsay get hurt and they never get to play it, you know, you can, you can win games. You can go 10 and 0, but you can't, you're not going to win national championship. You need those guys. You need them. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, if Drew Pine, I, you know, just, Without seeing him, right? I, I don't have a strong opinion about him, but just generally speaking, and pro- what is most likely is that if something happens to Jack Cohn, then I don't think 2021 is going to be a national championship season for Notre Dame. Like they, they would need so <laughs> they would need so much other things to be correct. Like they would need Jordan Johnson to be an absolute hit. They would need Kevin Austin to be an absolute hit. Well. More, you know, I mean, more even more so, they would need the offensive line to like not skip a beat from last right. year. Yeah, yeah, right. they would need he, I so mean, many other things would have to happen. Yes. Which I, I mean, I'm not out of the point. I mean, it's not. Alabama didn't win the national title in 2019, and they graduated out Tua, and they graduated out. Jedrick Willis, right, who is a top 10 pick. They graduated out right. Jerry Judy, who is a top 15 pick. Pretty good player. <laughs> and, the, 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 and then they, you know, they come back with a guy, Mac Jones, who is, uh, for all intents and purposes, a stopgap quarterback. And they have one of the best statistical seasons offensively <laughs> since you know, the year you before know why? at LSU. Do you know um, why? The wide receivers were phenomenal. Oh. Because college football is fucking awesome. It is the best. Because it's everything that we think we, everything we think we know about it, gets proven wrong time and time again. And it's just there's sometimes there's just no fucking way of knowing. And even the slander that I'm throwing out about Drew Pine, number one, I hope to God. I mean, I would be happy as shit if I was completely dead wrong. And Drew Pine came in and led us to a fucking undefeated. I would. Oh, the memes I, with the last name of going from book to pine for the memes and the last name. We pine for yeah. pine. Yeah. I, I would have no problems eating my hat on that one. None at all. I have no problem with that. I I love being wrong about things that I don't want to be right about anyways. You know what I mean? 
Like, yeah. I don't want to be right that I don't think a guy is up to snuff. So if I'm wrong, that's fantastic because that means that a guy is way better than I thought, which makes our team way better than I thought in my mind, you know, out there. So yeah, college football is fucking great because it's so, I mean, Kevin McDougal, you talk about back Jones being a stopgap. Kevin McDougal is a stopgap, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's national champion. Notre Dame's national championship. There are, there are a lot. Joe Burrow was just some random fucking grad transfer. There's a lot yeah. of stories like that over the years. And so that could be any guy out there. That could be, I mean, that could be Jack Cohn. Baker you know? Mayfield was like a twice walk on, right? Baker Mayfield walked onto Texas Tech and then he walked on to Oklahoma. Jack Cohn was basically shown the door because they love Graham Mertz. Yeah. I mean, so there, there's a story right there. Okay, well, I'm going to fucking go to uh, Notre Dame, the school of schools, become their starter, play you, kick your ass. And yeah. I mean, that, there. I mean, there's a story right there. So, I mean, who fucking knows what's going to happen? Uh, you know, and so and everybody's opinion, mine, uh, O'Malley's fucking Driscoll, whoever the fucking, everyone is Lamont, entitled. Yeah, everyone whole, is entitled the to their opinion of of what they what you think. And just because someone's wrong about something doesn't mean they're they're a douchebag. It's like maybe it's an opinion you hate. And trust me, like a guy like Driscoll's got plenty of them that I hate. But that doesn't mean that they're like. Then it's fine. College football, <laughs> all I'm saying is have your opinions. It's fine. It is absolutely fine. Unless you are a sports writer who is defending Gonzaga uh, in the opposite manner in which you trash Notre Dame. Then, you know, then all bets are fucking off. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Greg, did you catch that? That, uh, that that little story I put up? I really fucked that up because I was in a rush and I had three thoughts in my head at one time. I did not see uh, it. So something I noticed after Gonzaga lost was a, a lot of, you know, Joe fan, you know, trashing Gonzaga like Notre Dame would get trashed after a loss in the, in right. the playoffs. Right. And the sports media mostly rallied, they rallied around Gonzaga. Now, Deadspin the next day did what Deadspin does. And I had a really I have a really good sentence in my article Uh Maybe I should read that, uh, but <laughs> uh, they they shit it all over Gonzaga, and that because that's what that's what Deadspin does, right? I mean, they they whether it's a new Deadspin or old Deadspin, they shit on people. What? A, mm-hmm. What? Oh, that's your uh, mission I, statement. I, I said just take all of the joy and fun and just shit on everything. So well, Rakes had Rakes had a great tweet. He said, unfortunately for Gonzaga, the worst thing to do is get close to a winning title and then play poorly against a great opponent. That actually makes you way worse than teams who didn't get nearly that close. Those are the rules, and I don't, and I do not make them. And I said, yes, Chris, those are exactly the rules as I know them. Just like the rule that Deadspin, recreated or not, be the biggest dicks that a dick can be and write an absolutely dickish article for no other reason than to be an even bigger dick, which they did, talking about Gonzaga and few. But the fact that then the rest of the media like doubled down on their rallying around Gonzaga after the death. I was just like, everything that you're saying is the complete opposite of what happened after Notre Dame lost to Clemson or Alabama. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I'm saving these fucking receipts. Like, (laughs) like like you're screaming about how they had a great season. And just because they came up short, 
at the very end by a long shot. You know, by, they got by run long- off the court. They got yeah. run off the court worse than Notre Dame got in any. It was essentially the 2012 running off the court. They were saying, you know, not to dismiss their season because of that. And that's yeah. all they do to Notre <laughs> well, Dame. Right. right. That's all they fucking do is dismiss every bit of it. So I'm not even sure how we fucking ended up here, but it's <laughs> that I mean, I've, I was mesmerized by what I was saying with that because <laughs> I agree. We, you should not, you know, Gonzaga should not be throttled by fans for going 32 and one and losing to a Baylor team who was just fucking light years more athletic and superior on the court than they were. Hey, you still had a great season. You still made it to the championship game in the big dance. That's not a, that's not a small feat. So, you know, making the college football playoff, Going undefeated in the regular season is not a fucking small feat. It is really hard. Again, it is really hard to win football games. Now, Winning is hard, especially when you're you're, you know, opposite a, a man in Matthew Mayer who had the best hair of the whole tournament, and that fantastic Joe Dirt mullet that he was <laughs> pulling out there. That's like Brendan Clark esque in that mullet. Yeah. Ugh. All right, we need to we need to start wrapping this up, but we have a we have a top five to get to. And we cannot get in on that. So tonight's top five, gentlemen, the top five most dad things you do for spring. And you are our special. You are you. You're basically Jay Leno now, right, Greg? You know that, right? Yes. So one of us is going to get offed. And you're going to take over the whole damn thing. Mm. <laughs> That's how that works, too. But uh, as our, our our own special Jay Leno, I'm going to give you the uh, the floor here to to list your five off first. All right. So so we have a pool. All right. So it's spring now. So that means the sun is out and it's getting warm. So we actually like we my wife, she she wants to dress the kids in like double double jammies at night because it's cold. She doesn't want to run the heater. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What's cold, Greg? Wait. What's cold? Yeah. At night? Like, I don't know, 55, 54? Listen, it gets to 43 here, and my AC is on at night. That's funny. That's funny. Listen, all right, Mike, we're we're very sensitive. We're very sensitive out here. So anyway, so she likes to do the double jammy. So so we have to – well, we're finally we're finally in one set of jammies now, which is very exciting for me. Um, so, but anyway, so it's spring now, so that means the leaves that are in the patio. All right, we got we got we got to start managing the patio now. It was something that I could, I, I I didn't have to deal with, right? Just put the shades down to go out there. We don't need to go out to the patio. We didn't go out to the pool area. We just don't need to do that. We can hang out in the garage. But now I got to do the leaves all the time, and of course. It's my job. That's fine. That's fine. Right? No fine. problem. Right. Um, we got to start doing some barbecue, uh, the barbecue maintenance. Got to get more propane. Right? So now we're making trips to the propane. Can we get some more barbecuing? So that starts up. Um, all right. So that's two. Although Are you not allowed more. to have charcoal in the state of California? Um. 
no, we can do it. It's just like a lot of. I, it's a lot I, was, of I wasn't sure about Open Flame in that state. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, it's I mean, it's 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 different if you live in like a condo, if you live in a condo, then that's a little different. Ah. Then actually, if you live in a condo, you actually have to have charcoal. Can't have propane. Really? Yeah. You can't have a propane in the condominium. I I, I know. I know the red tape regulation for uh, just living in California is a little the book is probably a little thick. So, yeah, there's I mean, probably if, many rules I don't know. Of. If you live in like the hills or the valley or something, then maybe the charcoal there's some mandate there, but out here there's not. Okay. Um, probably the biggest one is the spring clothes. So we have a lot of um, we have a lot of you know, cousin like my kids have cousins and that sort of thing. So we have a lot of hand-me-downs. We have so many hand-me-downs that there's like spring clothes and then there's winter clothes. And so I have to go up to the attic and it's like the whole thing with like, Greg, I need you to go find the, the 2T, the spring. And of course you can't, right? So it's like, oh, I labeled it. It's like, well, okay, well, did you label it like like for real label it or like did you label it inside the thing so I actually have to open it? It's or inside problem. your own head label. Right, right. So then, like so this, then I have to this go up. This coat is the blue top. Right. So then you have to go up, and then you have to, you know, you you have to you have to find all that. You have to make the transition, and then you have to you have to put away all the winter stuff. And the thing about the winter stuff is that that actually never fully gets put away. So the ball, the bins are still kind of out. So there's just bins all over the house for like two months in the transition from like March to May. And that, but that's when they finally get put up. So the, 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 the spring part of it is just like making that transition with the clothes. The other thing is all of the, like the household things, right? So, Everything needs to get fixed because for me, right, I'm a teacher, I'm in education, so I get the summer off. But I don't want to spend the summer doing all like the odd jobs around the house. So I have to fix all the lights. I have to fix all the doors. All the plumbing needs to get taken care of. So like this is the time for me when I know I need to get in gear because if I don't get in gear – I'm going to have to spend the summer doing all these things and my wife's going to give like, give me a hard time about it. And I'm going to have to have like a list. The last thing I want is a list. That honeydew list. Yes. And it's daunting and you don't want it. So no, never want it. So now is when I actually have to put the work in. So much like the uh, the squirrel putting their acorns away for the winter. You're out there putting your, honeydew items out there so you can have the summer to yeah. relax. Hey, well, I want to, I mean, I know I'm in the minority here. I actually prefer a honeydew list because you have me, a house. No, no. Well, I mean that too, but no, there's nothing more infuriating than like working my ass off like all day long. And then the wife, like not giving a fuck because this one little thing that she wanted done didn't get done. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, I'd rather yeah. just have the I'd rather have the list so I can make sure that that shit you're, you're gonna shut the fuck up. <laughs> Basically, I, you're not gonna I, you're not gonna blow you're not gonna blow me any crap about all this other stuff because 
the list that you have there, okay, I, I knocked that off for you. So that that's done. That's good. Uh, we're took, we're cool there. I do the same thing. That's a let, me, let me tell you a little secret. Here's a little pro move. Now, luckily, my wife doesn't listen to this, okay? And my wife does. So right. be careful, Greg. But, but she won't know until, like, December. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> already have and then it'll already have happened. So what you do is they ask – because she always asks me, what are you going to do today? You put on a list a thing Which you've already – the question. You the put way. on a oh, for it got to just don't ask me that. Like, please don't. Like, just give me something. I, I don't – because there's a wrong answer. So, but what you do is all the things that I'm – so all the things that I'm doing in the next, like, couple months, I do them, but I don't say anything. And then she says, <laughs> Greg, Greg, what are you doing today? And then I tell her something that I've already done. That's next level. That is and, then, and then you say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean the gutters. And and then she's like, oh, okay, because she's not going to go look. And so How then, much is your wife away from the house, though? What's that? Yeah, but oh, you just like well, go outside. She right, know. right, yeah, yeah. I'm outside so, like, with the headphones. She so, doesn't know. Right, but my like my wife only like she works maybe once or twice a week, and it's hard to like. There ain't get you ain't getting shit by her. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Whatever I do, she's gonna know about. Mainly because she's gonna have an issue with something else during the day, and she's gonna come find me and see what I'm doing. You know? No. See, my wife, she she's oh she's first of all she's all working right. from home now, but yeah, she's she's just stuck true. in her office. And the and the good thing about it is like she I I take care of like all the lunches and things. So I take care of the lunch and I take care of like her breakfast and I make her little like I've figured out how to make a a chai tea the way she likes it. So so I do all those things. So if that's taken care of, and then she says, "Use the food. almond milk with um, uh, beaver butt goo." <laughs> the beaver oh. butt goo. You would. You gotta use the is. beaver butt goo. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I could. I could always try. I, she, but here's the thing. She likes it. Like the way it is now, she likes it. So I don't need to. Like I don't need to make a change. But I will. The beaver butt goo sounds. Well, basically, what we're saying, uh, Craig, Craig, do me a favor. Do me a favor, Greg. Okay. Um, just go to your Google machine. Okay. And just type in where does vanilla flavoring come from? Oh, okay. Just type in Google and go where does vanilla flavoring come from? Okay. I'll just do that right now. Do that right now, okay. and then uh, just just figure out read where vanilla comes from. Yeah, just read that top one off to me. Okay. The uh, top just, one. Yeah. Hold on, give me a second. Where it says, just in time. Just in time for holiday cookie season, we've discovered that the vanilla flavoring in your baked goods and candy come from the anal excretions of beavers. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah. Beaver butts secrete a goo called <laughs> castorium, which the animals use to mark their territory. That's fantastic. Who, who, uh, who wrote that? Who wrote that, by the way? Let's see who wrote it. Um, that is from National Geographic. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, Greg. <laughs> it's science. That's fucking science. What do they know? What do they know? Butts emit goo used for vanilla flavoring. Um, so yeah, do you get her that beaver butt goo uh, almond milk for her uh, okay. chai lattes? Beaver butt goo. <laughs> <laughs>
Maybe we'll just stick with the horizon. <laughs> All right, Brendan. So <laughs> I I'm gonna add the uh the the put queue up the honeydew stuff from Greg. That's a pro tip. Um first thing I do is weed and feed, right? I buy my big bag of weed and feed because can't get early enough on it. Because if you neglect it, then you're gonna have data lines. Um, the next two are um, maintenance items for the rest of the year. Uh, first of all, you need to bust out the cargo shorts. You need to get them out of um, hibernation and get them in the washing machine. Make sure your cargo shorts are ready to go. Because no father can uh, commit to a summer without proper cargo shorts. How else are you going to keep binkies, snacks, and various other sundries and, and child good items uh, at the ready if you don't have cargo shirts available to you. Um, and then there is a rite of passage that occurs uh, for a um, dad every every spring, and that is um, the retirement of the old lawn shoes and the bringing in of the new lawn shoes. So that's a that's an excellent one. That you yes. And there's sh- there are old shoes too. Like they're, you, you've they're already done the shoes try on. Or the year before, that's your new lawn shoes because they're still good shoes, right? Maybe maybe the the um, soles breaking off a little bit, but they, they still work. And you're just mowing I mean, the I know lawn. A lot, of, a lot of people put the big dad things on the on the white New Balances, and I get yeah. that. Yeah, I've never owned a pair of white New Balances, and I'm not right. trying to ironically buy some. To grass stain them up? Nope. I'm just going to use my Nikes from last year, my Under Armour shoes from last year. Nike Monarch uh, year before. Yep, yep. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just use, uh, you know, I, I buy a lot of uh, Asic Onizukas. I just uh, roll in the next one to the next one. And then I, I'll buy a new pair of shoes and then just uh, retire the old ones right into the trash can. And uh put on the new ones. And I think that that's, that's an important part of spring is when you're, you're getting ready to, to get in there. So you got to get ready. You got to, you got to weed and feed your yard, you know, fertilize, uh, very important. And, uh, make sure you got your cargo shorts ready and, uh, make sure you retire the old shoes and get the new ones in. And other than that, it's just, uh, like Greg said, it's a lot of honeydew stuff. That's all very daddish. The shoe thing, especially that is, man, that is like, <clears throat> I, that I almost put that on my list. Like the, the shoe selection, like yeah. which ones are you going to? Yeah. That that's, that's a big one for me. You gotta think, how much are you out in the yard doing things? It's a lot of time. A lot you know, of you time. Gotta keep your, you gotta, you know, you're, you gotta protect your feet, protect your feet that protect you. All right. So, we have a big pool. And so really one of the first things of spring is it, I, I just wrote down pool prep because there's a lot to it. Now, before I go on with pool prep, let me just say this people who bitch about the upkeep of pools. I have no time for because it is one of the simpler things you can do as a human dad. And I, one of my favorite things to do was to go up and buy shock up at the pool store. And then as people come in with their water samples for them to test, so they can tell you, <clears throat> I would pull them aside. 
excuse me, and tell them don't waste 350 fucking dollars. Are you stupid? Just throw in like six gallons of fucking liquid shock (laughs) and you'll be fine. (laughs) That's all you need. Why are you, why the first, we bought this house, we bought it with the pool and we had issues with the filter and all that. And so I took a water sample up because it was, it was looking pretty funky. I gave it to them. They gave me a, a, a mini novella of instructions and I bought like $300 for the chemicals, all sorts of different shit. This is what you do at this time. Do this, 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 all these instructions. I fucking did it all to the letter. It didn't help out. My uncle who owns a pool, I call him up. He said, are you fucking stupid? Just go get some liquid shock and throw in like fucking eight gallons. Let's roll around. And he goes in a a day. It'll be fine. And since then, I've lived by that fucking that life. You buy excellent tabs like the silk tabs are the are the the best ones to get. Don't buy cheap tabs buy the good ones. And you buy just liquid shock. Every once in a while, you get some uh, some of that poly sheen. Do you really want to fucking make it clear, clear, like, like stupidly clear? But anyway, so it's pool prep time. So I'm making sure the pumps still running. I thought I was going to have to get a new pump three years ago. I, my one of my like, uh, I don't know, my, my big wins is the life that I'm getting out of this pump right now. Uh, so I was out there today, as a matter of fact, taking a look at it. Didn't plug it in yet to test it, but I took a look at it. It's it looks the same as I put it in the barn. <laughs> in the fall, somehow, somehow it didn't change colors. Uh, so, so a lot of pool prep. You're pumping the water off of the tarp, getting all you know, getting all that shit ready to go. Answering the kids' questions. When's the pool going to be open? May 21st. Every year the pool will be open May 21st. Quit asking me that. It'll be May 21st. Uh, except for the year that Ryan was born and was in the NICU, I didn't get the pool open until like June 30th. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> I left the hospital. <laughs> like I can't sit around here anymore. I gotta, I gotta go home and get this pool ready. And that was a big thing. <laughs> Wife's like, "Why are you going home? I'm not doing anything. I am literally sitting here. He is healing. I need to get this pool ready." Anyways, so pool prep's a big one. Uh, number two, walk the yard. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're literally walking the yard two or three times a day for about a week. And you're taking notes, whether on a piece of paper or mentally, of all the shit you have to do. Even if it's something you goddamn know that you're not going to get to this summer. You are taking note of everything that needs done. What's the mole situation like in uh, Ohio? Is it like it is up here? Because moles are absolutely out of control. I had them... Was it five or six years ago? So we, we had a huge party at the house, and then that night there was a gigantic fucking thunderstorm, a huge one. And when we get that much water, I'll get like little like swales in the mulch, you know, from all the water. And so I looked that next morning, I look out, and I like, oh man, that was a bad storm, you know. Obviously, there's look at all these swales, and my wife's like, those aren't swales. Like the fuck they aren't. I'm like, we get them all the time. The next day, the yard was throttled by moles. Absolutely throttled between me and my neighbor. Uh, and so actually, it was my old-ass neighbor. He's like, I fucking got this. And I was sitting out. Like, I had my, we, I had a Boston Terrier at the time. 
we were just sitting out like trying to trap the moles and <laughs> which tough. was a fun that's a fun exercise yeah it's tough it's tough you gotta you get got the amount of mole trap because whoever bought uh, the family that bought my house when we sold it i gotta tell you the house is nice the yard is nice and big let me tell you that yard is a lemon because it is just berate with moles. There's like 150 molehills. Like you'll roll an like mowing the lawn, you'll roll an ankle with the amount of moles mm. in there. And there's nothing that you could do about it. I I, I killed three moles. Can't can't get you can't kill enough moles. Can't keep up yeah. with them. It's a it's a bitch. Now we're in a good spot here where once we found where the where the uh, the mole layer was at, because like from the road. All the way back out to the alley, which is a long ways for me. Like I have a, you know, with the driveway, and then there's a, con- I have a concrete walk that goes all the way out to my barn, which is next to a giant fucking concrete slab, which has out by the the alley back there. So there's like a whole like blockage. Like they're not going underneath that shit. And in fact, like they were like trapped between our two houses here because we're both kind of like that. So there there wasn't a whole lot for the places for them to go. Like they couldn't go somewhere else and come back. Like they were trapped, and we fucking we killed them. We killed them all. So it, it took a minute to figure it out. But they had in that meantime they had throttled out. So yeah, the most situation was Harry from a few years ago. We old ass neighbor knew exactly what to do. We took care of it. We poisoned the shit out of him. We killed them all. Um, but yeah, walk of the yard's extremely important, and that uh, that see it's more important to. One of the other steps that I, one of the other things I have here on my list. Uh, number three, though, barn clean. You always clean the barn at the end of summer, right? Because you're putting all your shit away, pool stuff, whatever it is, getting ready for the winter. And it's clean and it's nice and it's gorgeous in there. And gradually throughout the fall, the winter, and then especially in the beginning of spring, the kids cannot help themselves but to drag a bunch of shit out and then just barely put it in the doorway. Like, <laughs> like, like you can't get through the door, but there's this giant area elsewhere. So, like, <laughs> it's terrible. And it's, like, the thing that angers me the most, somehow I've been able to just, like, keep my mouth shut this year about it. But, yeah, cleaning the barn's key, getting, you know, getting some shit out of there. Because um, that's 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 the hub for everything that's good. It's got the mowers. It's got all the equipment, all your equipment, tools, tool bench, everything, everything that you need to do for the year or for the summer is all. It's all there. So that has to be in tip-top shape. Uh, number four, and this is getting more and more important as the kids get older, for sure. You gotta get your sports equipment shit straight. Now, both boys this year needed like everything for ba- they needed everything new for baseball this year. So it was like the last month and a half, two months, gradually like, all right, you need you need pants, you need you both need cleats, you hel- you know helmets, whatever, all the shit you need. Baseball is an expensive sport. There's a lot of shit you need. Just and that's just baseball. It doesn't include like live and volleyball. Uh, it doesn't include Bo Bow Wower tearing the fuck out of every basketball we have because he treats it like <laughs> a soccer ball until he mm-hmm. kills it. Uh, so getting your sports equipment shit straight. And so you're all set for the summer. So there's no surprises. There's no like, where's this at? You got it. Uh, And then number five, and it's probably the most important part of being a dad in dad summer, dad spring. 
but the but the least talked about because who wants to talk about it? But that is the budget. Like you can go do your yard walk, and you got all this shit put out, but everything adds up dollar wise. Every fucking bit adds up. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Every time my wife opens up her mouth, all I hear is cha-ching. So there's <laughs> you have you really have to set yourself because you could overextend the shit out of yourself like early in the spring. And then when they're talking about vacations and all that stuff, you're like, cool, we can go to the park <laughs> because we just did all, all this. Like, why are we going anywhere? I just made this backyard magnificent. Do you need to go anywhere? We have water. We have sun. We have trees. We, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's part of that. So you really need to, to set your budget straight. And you don't want to talk. About, I mean, who wants to talk about money? Who wants to think about money? Not, I, I don't. I mean, I, I'll raise my hand if I'm the only one. I fucking hate talking about it. And I especially hate talking about money with my wife, who constantly thinks that I'm, like, trying to stop her from buying a thing of mascara when I talk about how expensive uh, a new roof is going to be. Or something. <laughs> you know, like the two don't equate, but somehow she equates it. And then, but then we'll then proceed to go to Target and drop five hundred dollars on absolutely nothing. So, those are my five. And again, budget is the was the last one there, but I think that's the most the most important. That's why you take notes on the on the the walk through the yard. That's why when you're doing your pool prep, everything you're taking notes because this shit costs money uh, to be a dad, except for your shoes, because you don't need to buy new yard shoes. You just use your old ones. Boom. Use last year's. <sighs> I, I think we did the thing. I we feel did it? Confident. I, we did it. I think we did right. it. I, I'm pretty sure we're well over three hours now. So <laughs> We so did Greg, it. You got, do you got anything left of the take? What what you got to say? You guys can all catch Greg over on UHND as well as on Twitter at Greg2126. Um, I don't know. I think that um, the main takeaway for me is um, let's let's do what we should do in the off season, and that is. You know, look at the bright side of the team. Enjoy the team. Enjoy the players. Enjoy the fact that there is a spring this year. Thank goodness. Um, and on that note, you know, I've been I've been double vaccinated. I think um, I think our friend Josh has been vaccinated. Brendan, I know, is waiting second for that. Sh- second shot in, in a couple weeks. In eight hours from now, it's uh, 9.40, uh, I will be getting my first vaccination. There so you I'm go. Very excited. And, uh, Excellent. I encourage everyone to I, I encourage everyone to do that. You know, it's uh, the, the one thing that that, you know, speaking of the spring and getting, you know, prepped and all that stuff is this year that is it's the the idea of having that summer and being able to do things and being able to see your friends and your family and that sort of thing and being able to look forward to going to football games you know and that sort of you know 
we didn't do that last year and um we have a chance to do that this year so if you're listening you know you're on the fence about getting vaccinated get vaccinated it's okay i'm fine josh is fine brendan's gonna be fine my parents are fine let's all do it let's have a good time excellent brendan what do you got left of the tag uh man i essentially set off tonight uh with three objectives in mind um one was to bring up um beaver butt goo nailed it (laughs) one nailed it twice (laughs) nailed it twice one was to um definitely slander kyle's name uh with greg on the pod that nailed that one nailed it Uh, and the other one was to make allusion to um, the institution where if you're there, you're family and eating Jeez. pasta with uh, scissors. And I think I nailed that as well. So I'm in hog heaven right now. I, I did everything <laughs> I set out to do. Uh, you, you deserve a medal. <laughs> Strike a medal, my friend, because uh, it was a job well done. Uh, for me, I just uh, like look. Like Greg's right. Let's have some fun with spring because we didn't have one last year. And I, I, I tried saying it, or I, I said it. You know, when we we're talking about, especially with the the quarterbacks, Jack Cohn and Drew Pine. You know, it, it's hard to, and we touched on it, didn't we, Brendan? When we were talking about Brady Quinn. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to talk, especially in the sports sense, it's hard to talk someone up without bringing someone down, even if you don't mean it that way. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a difficult prospect to do because you're 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 setting one above the other. And hey, everybody's going to do it. And that's absolutely fine. Uh, the, the biggest hope and the biggest wish is that it all just works out for the best one way or the other. So. That's where we're at after five practices of spring. I'm just wishing for the best, <laughs> which is a good thing, which is a good thing. I'm not I'm not dreading the worst. I'm wishing for the best. So that's all I got. Uh, make sure you're heading over to the site. Hey, Jude, uh, who is not with us tonight, by the way, is um, diligently working on a long list of uh, games you shouldn't watch. <laughs> <laughs> basically <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he jude is such the the bearer of good news uh but but it's a it's an interesting list of games that uh that are on fire fighting irish tv he's like he's ranking the uh the games that like not get on there yet um i think he's through the losses and the ho-hum games i think is what he said now now he's working on some of the more boring wins uh so it's a it's an interesting rank that he's got going on there. Uh, and there are so many that it's hard for me to argue with him about, which drives me nuts. Cause you know, kind of always looking to argue with Jude a little bit. Uh, but get your asses over to Apple podcasts, leave that rating, leave a review. I mean, who else is dropping three hour plus podcast episodes for you on the week? Not too many people. Who's bringing you who who's bringing Greg on as a guest. Uh, it's you guys at the moment. It is, it is us. It is us. So you get that spe- you get that specialness. So 
that's about it. Uh, much more to come this week. Much more to see. Uh, again, their name's sending us a, a lot of good stuff, more than we thought. And so that's a good thing. And I look forward to, uh, to seeing what else is going on here. So for Brendan and for Greg and for our homeboy Jude at home, who's hopefully asleep right now because he's got to get up so early. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>